Here is a nut. To exemplify a beautiful, glossy nut, which, blessed with original strength, has outlived all the storms of autumn. Not a puncture, not a weak spot anywhere. This nut, while so many of its brethren have fallen and been trodden underfoot, is still in possession of all the happiness that a hazelnut can be supposed capable of. I love it. That is, it's such a fun quote. It is. I mean, it's clever. It's cl- it is so clever. Witty <laughs> and observant. And I mean, how can you not pick such a long quote about a nut? <laughs> <laughs> Never did anyone else ever say such a lovely, well thought thing about a nut. Yeah, that I am aware of. I I agree. <laughs> Leave it to Jane Austen. Of course. Who of else? Course. Well, hello, listeners. Hello. This is the We Read Books podcast. What do we do again? We read books and then we talk about them. Right. Because it's fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and that's Whitney. And that's Maddie. And we're your hosts. Indeed we are. We're going to take you on this journey and it's going to be amazing. It will. And no one's going to complain. (laughs) Except me. (laughs) Do you have many complaints for this book? No, I do not have any complaints for this book. But I did put a complaint in here. Oh, right. Yes. The ratings of this book. Yes. I remember that woeful moment for you. (sighs) I've never been more disappointed in humanity than this previous week. (laughs) Uh, but we will get to that. We shall. First, we're going to tell you our social channels. <laughs> yes. We are on Instagram and TikTok at We Read Books Pod. And our email address, I almost forgot the word for email, which is an issue. That digital letter thing? <laughs> um, is <laughs> We Read Books Pod 23 at gmail.com. Do we need more than that? No. 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 Is there anything else? I feel like probably, but (laughs) just like streaming services, a new social media app pops up every Mm. single day. (laughs) That is true. So yeah, this week, uh, what are we doing this week? We are discussing yet another Jane Austen novel. We're going back to our roots and uh, we are discussing her final novel, Persuasion. Mm, persuasion. Yes. It was published December 20th, 1817, about six months after her death. Because as we discussed in episode one of this podcast. One, very first. Her brother published her works mm-hmm. in her name after her death, which yep. bro of the year. Ew, shout out to Henry. <laughs> 
and <laughs> yeah, that's super honorable of him yeah. to not just be like, you know what, I'm going to take credit for this. I think I wrote these. <laughs> um, yeah, I am the author of Pride and Prejudice and right. Sense and Sensibility. Right. You've caught me. Right. <laughs> I've been found out. I'm a sensitive soul full of love and romance. <laughs> Women, please don't hate me. <laughs> please swoon at my feet. Yes. <laughs> uh, that probably would have made him quite the... That would have been such a scandal. Like, like quite quite the bachelor, like, you know. The eligible el- bachelor. Eligible bachelor. People yeah. would have been like, excuse me, you wrote these beautiful things? What? Hello, sir. Because <laughs> he's, uh, he was a clergyman, I believe. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So he was already, like, respectable. Right. Maybe that's why he was so honest about it. True. He was a man of God. Yeah. He was doing the right thing. He was. And he probably loved his sister. I was going to say, I would assume they had a good relationship. <laughs> yeah. So... Good for Henry. Yes, good for Henry. And uh, thank you, Henry. Yeah. He could have just kept them. Right. Do you think they would be as popular if people didn't know who wrote them? Mm, I don't know. That's very hard to say. Because they're very well-written books, but I, yeah. I just kind of, for me anyway, Jane Austen carries a weight. So I just sort of wonder yeah. if if it would be different otherwise. If it was... Uh, if they were all just left anonymous. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, really, really highly respected works that are anonymous. Um, I, Beowulf, I think, is anonymous, but it's so old that that's mainly because, like, it's probably just been forgotten who oh, wrote wow. Beowulf. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even remember that. Um, so the, the story stood the test of time, so perhaps her works would have as well. Potentially. Potentially. But I do, I think Henry, I think Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility were published in the paper. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, had all of her works published as novels. Nice. After her death. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. Glad her name is attached. Agreed. Glad that. She deserves the accolade or the, the recognition. Absolutely. Even if she wasn't alive to experience it. Yeah. Because clearly they've made an impact on society, culture, and all of that Absolutely. in the time since. So it gets adapted into things we don't even realize. Right. Yeah. It's like Shakespeare. Yeah. Yes. Jane Austen, Shakespeare. Love it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, we do. I would say they're of equivalent caliber, to be honest. I mean, yeah. Shakespeare is like lauded, obviously, the yes. bard, but I think Jane Austen, as far as quality of story, is equivalent. Equally respected. I agree. She just doesn't have the breadth of work that he does. He wrote right. so much shit. Right. Well, and then there's also people that say that he didn't really write all those mm-hmm. things. And so there's a bit of intrigue intrigue involved. Who in even well. was he? But there's no doubt. Like, people aren't like, oh, yeah. oh I don't believe Jane actually wrote these, you know. Yeah. So yeah. maybe she's a little more respected. Maybe. Because people don't question her validity. That's true. That's true. Hmm. Let us know your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is one of her contemporaries, William Wordsworth, he's like, I I feel like William Wordsworth has kind of like a pompousness about him. Mm. He wrote this work called The Lyrical Ballads, and it's like basically a how-to guide of writing. It's very like pretentious and mm. whatever. It kind of the defines the romantic period as far as literature goes, which mm-hmm. Jane Austen is considered a romantic writer. But it has been rumored that a lot of what he wrote was actually written by his sister, Dorothy. Oh. Which is interesting. Shameful. Shameful. But anyway, let's, I guess, dive right in to our characters. Mm. 
there actually are not that many. See, and I was like, saw the list and I was like, there really are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm thinking of like, uh, like Harry Potter. The list of characters in Harry Potter is so long. True. So this one feels short. And each episode we just add to add it. To. We yeah. don't go back and revisit the others. So mm-hmm. that's probably why the lists seem shorter. <laughs> yeah. That first one though. Whoop. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Met a lot of people that day. Yeah, we did. I do feel like for, you know, out of the two that I've read, you know, that there is a decent amount of, like, main characters that you're meant to, like, remember who all these people are. Yeah, and that's true. And for someone like me, my brain just, I have a hard time remembering all these Mr. and Mrs. people. I know. I got halfway through and I was like, I think I'm getting it. And then we, like, threw another, like, half a dozen people in there on me and I was just like, wait a minute. Now I had those t- <laughs> I had those other 12 memorized just fine. Yeah. I didn't need six more. Why'd you do this to me? <laughs> I know. There's, it, it, it do be like that. Jane, I need a diagram. <laughs> a family tree. Something. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Our protagonist is Anne Elliot. Oh, she, Anne Elliot. Uh, she's 27 years old. Unwed. But not treated as a burden. No, no. Which uh, is nice. It is very nice. She is described in the beginning as having once been very pretty, but has since lost her bloom. That made me so sad. I know. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that bloom is not lost forever. What's interesting about the way that Anna's described in the beginning is like she's thin and like no bloom. I I attribute to like a fullness and I, color. I, I was going to say, like, my, in my mind, it's like a rosiness. Yeah. And it may be a roundness of cheek or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But, and, like, a certain, like, glow to the face. Yes. So. Which is generally attributed to youth, but I also think can be exhibited when a character is full of joy as right. well. Which that, is, yeah. I think, a big factor in that. Yeah, I think... For her, the loss and the regaining of it. Right. I think, yeah, the reason we see Anne to have lost her bloom is because she's just unhappy. Yeah. And not that her life isn't good without a a love interest. It's just, you know, she's not finding her equal and mm-hmm. you know we most of us want that <laughs> you yeah. know there's nothing wrong if you don't but right yeah yeah she wants someone to share life with and she just will settle for nothing less that's right our Anne Elliot on some level knows her worth she does even if she's a little quiet and is I wouldn't say she's necessarily a people pleaser perhaps in her younger years mm-hmm. but now she's just very patient and understanding and tries to gently nudge people in mm-hmm. the right direction. Yeah. But she's not intentionally meddlesome. I just think that she's a very, I don't know, I just, she's just a kind, caring character. But yes, she knows what she wants. She's just kind of conflicted about, yeah. you know, when it comes to her own self, She it seems she has a hard time grabbing it. Yes. As it were. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Whereas there are some other characters on this list that they want a little too much out of life or they just think everything revolves around them and yikes. Yep. But we'll get to them. We will. <laughs> but our uh, our main man of the book is uh, Captain Frederick Wentworth. Oh, Frederick. <laughs> I actually like the name Frederick. I do too. I think it's a cool, fun name. Yeah. You could be Fred, Freddy, Rick. Rick. I like the name Rick, but simply because of Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Oh. Come on. (laughs) Rick McConnell. (laughs) 
Uh, I like the name Fred. Yeah. But, you know. That's a good one, too. I love me some Fred Weasley. You just have good options with you, Frederick. You really do. And, like, as a whole, it doesn't sound like a pompous, yucky name. Like, oh, don't call me. It's like, oh, I like Frederick. Frederick. Yeah. It's got an aplum to it. Yes. Mm. <laughs> we like Frederick. Yeah, we like Frederick. Although, frustrated with him. Yes. Through, like, the middle. Yes. It's like, come on, Fred. Jesus. Light up. He just doesn't, he's just trying to fl- go with the flow, but he, you know, I think he knows what he wants to, but he just be assuming what other people want and he doesn't know that either. And he's just, mm-hmm. he's just riding the tide. He until is. Until he wakes up. He is. And he, <laughs> you know, comes to his senses and that he almost got himself into a predicament there. He sure did. So listen here, dude. <laughs> Maybe next time. Well, there's no next time, but right. you're lucky. you so lucky. That's all we're going to say about that. <laughs> uh, next is Sir Walter Elliot. He is father of Anne and her sisters, obviously. He is a baronet. Respect on his name. Do we... What? what what's it? Like, is a baronet like a sub-baron? Like, <laughs> is it I, like a lesser title than a baron? I don't know. If you're a baronet. I feel like they're equivalent. Okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I feel like they're equivalent. Um, but yes, very much the attitude is respect on my name. <laughs> exactly. And barons are, I think, the lowest of the aristocracy. I think you have, like, barons, and then you have lords, and then you have, like, a count, maybe. Okay. This is something that just now it's occurring to me that it would have been nice for me to look up. But I did not consider looking it up either. But you but have the knowledge, so thank you. <laughs> I think that's right. We'll Google it later. And then, like, your Duke, I think, is, like, royalty. Mm. Because, like, uh, The Duke Prince, and Duchess yes, of... Prince William is, like, the Duke of Cambridge. Right. But he will be king eventually. Right. So I think, yeah, Duke and Duchesses are of the royal lineage, and then you have, like, your counts, your lords, your barons, who are aristocracy, but not directly royal lineage. bloodline. Yeah. Gotcha. I believe. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. So. And then, uh, as we said, Sir Walter has uh, two other daughters, Elizabeth Elliot, who is the oldest, and then we have Mary Musgrove, who is the youngest. Mm -hmm. Obviously Musgrove, because she is married. She is. What is interesting is... Poor Anne is the middle child, and that's kind of like the middle child trope, is they're always, like, forgotten. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's sort of Anne. very much so. Yes. Yeah. I feel... <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if Jane is the originator of the forgotten middle child trope. Quite possibly. I'm just going to put that credit to her name. She earned it. She earned it. Deserves it. Listen. Credit given. Stamp it. That's right. Jane, it's yours. <laughs> For the Anne Elliots of the world. <laughs> Yeah. Elizabeth is very self-centered, just like her dad. Just very self-important. Yeah. And Elizabeth is also his favorite because she, like, looks like him and they're both very attractive. Yes. And vain. Yeah. She's the female version of him. So what's not to like? Exactly. (laughs) It's so funny the way that's phrased, too, is... In the book, like, whenever Jane's describing Elizabeth and how much she's like Sir Walter and that Mm -hmm. she's his favorite and that he never had time for Anne because she doesn't look anything like him. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. Elizabeth is named after their mother who has passed, but I don't know. Um, So then I guess Anne looks like the mom. 
Yeah, I think that that is Does implied. it make you sad or are you just that vain? I think he's just that vain. I agree. I'm not going to give Sir Walter any credit on this. No. He is, I mean, he's just a super, super shallow person, but he is funny. I do love his scenes because mm-hmm. he's just so vapid. Yeah. And I'm just like, yes. Tim and Elizabeth both. I'm yeah. like, you really don't think outside your Literally. two-inch bubble, do you? Yeah. Literally. Mary even more so. Yeah, and I think they describe Mary as, like, not equaling her older sisters as far as, like, looks Mm -hmm. or, uh, like, capabilities. (laughs) And so (laughs) she really clings on to what they call the Elliot pride. Yeah. Because she's got to compensate for not being as pretty as the other two. Yeah, but... My gosh, it's mm. like if something has happened to someone else, it hasn't happened nearly as badly as it has happened to Mary. That's right. Her woes are always going to be deeper than yours. Yes. Her joys are always going to be greater than yours. Yes. <laughs> but mostly she focuses on the woes. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Yeah. Mary is also funny to me. She, oh, incredibly funny. Yeah. But <laughs> she's so selfish. Ugh, so insufferable. Very, which is mind-boggling that our next character, Charles Musgrove, which is Mary's husband, how did he end up with Mary? I mean, because maybe Elizabeth wasn't interested, so it was like, well, okay, this sister, I guess, wants me. Hello. Well, (laughs) he had proposed to Anne. Right, which I know he... Yeah. And I think that they would have been a fine match, truthfully. Yeah. But... She was... Anne's heart belonged elsewhere. Elsewhere. And it was not that long after either. Right. But I actually really like Charles. I, think I do too. that he seems like a kind, smart, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, I, I like him a lot, but it just boggles me. I'm like, did Mary pretend to be something else? You could have found someone mm. else. Yeah. I'm wondering if it was a situation where his parents had come to an agreement with Sir Walter and they arranged this. Yeah. And when and Anne, when was, Anne like, was like, nah, dude. Nothing. He's like, you. well, here's Mary. Right. And Mary was like, yes, please. I'll be the first of my sisters to get married. Right. Yes. That's so. such a feather in her cap. It is. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking they prob- probably didn't offer Elizabeth's hand because they wanted to save Elizabeth for someone s- truly someone else. worthy. Yeah. <laughs> So that's how I'm guessing it happened. True, yes, yes. I forgot about the someone else. Yes, you're so right. Mm -hmm. But love Charles. Yeah. (laughs) And then he has uh, two sisters, Louisa and Henrietta. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they kind of like come as a package deal. Yes, I was going to say they're kind of like the younger sisters in Pride and Prejudice. Right. Where they're always kind of together, but they're not nearly as... Like, shallow or self-centered as, like, the ones in Pride yeah. and Prejudice. Yeah. I think um, Louisa and Henrietta are a little bit more mature. They are. They're still very young. Yeah, they're, like, 19 and 20, I but, believe. But uh, I like their characters fine. I do, too. And they really love Anne, which automatically makes me like them more. Yeah, they're not, they're not like, Bingley's sisters right, right. either. They're not yeah. conniving and scheming either they're kind of just like fun loving carefree girls yeah yeah basically so i like the whole musgrove clan really i do too because even their parents are they're fun they're a delight in company yeah and yeah and they appreciate Anne. yeah 
So they they actually like Anne better than they like Mary. They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Speaking of someone who appreciates Anne, we have Lady Russell. Yes, Lady Russell. She was the late Lady Elliot's best friend, mm-hmm. and she is like a close family friend to the Elliots in the wake of Lady Elliot's death. Mm-hmm. And Anne is her particular favorite, but she loves them all. Sure. Sure. I think her she's I do, partial I do, to Anne. Yeah, I feel she has kind of a disinterest towards the other two. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's just like she feels that they don't need her attention like mm-hmm. Anne might. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think most of Lady Russell's like actual love is for Anne yes. and Sir Walter. Yes. For whatever reason. Right. But I think she loves Elizabeth and Mary because they are the daughters of Lady Elliot. Right. Maybe she sees Lady Elliot in Anne. I think that is right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Though, I understand she has the best of intentions, but... She'd be meddling. I don't respect the meddling. Yeah. Yeah, I Especially agree. when we don't have... It didn't feel like you had all the facts, nor had your heart open at all. Yeah, it's a real... It, with all of Lady Russell's, like, attributes and good sense, she also is one of those who... Has a lot of, sets a lot of store with rank, mm-hmm. which is obviously very prevalent at this time. But right. yeah, she sets a lot of store by rank, which I think is probably where some of her respect and love for Sir Walter comes from. Mm-hmm. Because he is a person of title, rank, estate. So she has a lot of respect for that in right. itself. Right. Even so. though he can be quite the fool. <laughs> right. And I think that clouds her judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So. That dimension of her personality, I, I don't care for. But otherwise, yeah. she seems like a nice lady. Yeah. I think it's probably a deficiency that many, many people had, especially if they were members of a rank. True. So sh- she was married to a knight, which has some rank, but it's not um, an aristocratic rank because you are made a knight. You are not born a knight. Right. Which is interesting because in like a knight's tale, you are born a knight and not made a knight. I mean, it can be made into a knight, but most of them had to have, like, royal lineage and such. Mm. But let's, I won't take us down that tangent. But (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, that does bring me to something. We have a lot of widows. So many. Yeah. And these people are not very old. I know. Lady Russell's a widow. Sir Walter's a widower. Our next character. And we've got a couple down the rest of the list that are widows. It's like, I guess... Uh, plagues were plaguing back then because yeah unfortunate times unfortunately we have a lot of widow widowers in Mm -hmm. uh, in this here tale we do (laughs) which is wild uh so next we have mrs penelope clay Mm -hmm. widow friend of elizabeth daughter of mr shepherd which is sir walter's like attorney Mm. back then they called them solicitors but it's an attorney so she hangs about for the story she lurks yeah she lurks. She has designs of her own, I she think. She does. She does. We're suspicious of her. Lady Russell and Anne are both suspicious right. of her presence. Though I never really see her do anything to act upon this plan we know she has other than just constantly being round. I think... There's no romantic advances that I ever noticed. Yeah, and I think it's pro- it's a product of the times. I don't think you could just, like, get in there and, like... Hey, hot stuff. <laughs> right. Week, week. 
Right. <laughs> she was kind of waiting to she be was, noticed. I think she felt that her constant presence and feeding into his vanity was going to win him over. Would lead to like, something. Yeah, constantly complimenting yes. and being agreeable. I think that was... Those were her tactics. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I agree. So. Well, next we have Admiral Croft, who uh, at the beginning of the story, he becomes the tenant of Kellynch Hall, which is where the uh, Elliots currently reside, but are (laughs) shortly going to be so graciously lending out. (laughs) I like him. Yeah, I like the Crofts. Yeah. And as I say, and his wife, Sophia, um, she's the... As I said, wife to the Admiral, but she is also the sister of Frederick. Oh, Frederick. So we've got a little connection there. Yep. We now move to Captain Harville. He lives in Lyme. We will meet him towards mid-story, and he's a friend of Frederick and the Crofts. Same with our next guy, Captain Bennick. He lives with the Harvilles and was engaged to Captain Harville's late sister, Fanny. But then his sister passed Mm -hmm. during the engagement? Yes. Okay. And I think she passed like six months prior to the story. Mm. So it's pretty recent. Yeah. Benwick seems nice. Yeah. Quiet, reserved. Willing to open his horizons. That's true. Which is always good. Yep. Yep. Or broaden his horizons, I should say. Sure. So yeah. Liked them. Yeah. Very nice. That little crew of folk Mm -hmm. we hang out with quite a bit. Yep. And then we have William Walter Elliot, who is not to be confused with Sir Walter Elliot. Sir Walter Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> William is the cousin of the Elliots and he is the heir to Killinch Hall and the uh, baronetcy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep, he is the heir. They d- these dudes with daughters just don't have anyone to pass their stuff to. I know. Cuz why would you leave it to your daughters? I Ew. Know. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> Which is funny because I, d- I don't think it was... I know uh, primogeniture, that's the term, is the concept of land only passing through the male line. Mm-hmm. But not every family had that. There were You did have some instances where the daughter could inherit. Maybe it just depends on the society in which you are participating in or or your like level of rank in the, the society yeah because like in pride and prejudice darcy's aunt right uh the what was her now i'm like not even lady remembering. catherine de berg de berg yes de berg i forgot the g <laughs> <laughs> i just heard matt smith saying it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so she was she had rosings in that whole estate, and her right. daughter was going to inherit it. Right. But so, Elizabeth's family, you couldn't. Couldn't, because so. it was entailed on the next male heir, which right. is obviously the case here. So, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe your ancestors decided. And made it, like, a point to put it in the articles. Like, right. Or maybe Catherine de Burr was just like, you're not skipping me. I'm taking this, and I shan't hear a thing about it. Right, yeah. And they just went, okay, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know why or how it became decided that these people were only going to pass to the males and these other people over here Mm. didn't discriminate. If you know, let us know. Yeah, not really sure. We'd love to learn. Otherwise, we'll have to trust Google again. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, oh, Googie. Google. (laughs) 
Yes, so we had a couple captains and, uh, okay, yeah, right, and then Walter Elliott. Then we come to another widow, Mrs. Yep. Smith. Mm-hmm. She is an old school friend of Anne's. She is. While reading about her, I was like, was the the, the way she was written, it, it seemed as if she was a teacher at school with Anne because they just, she was just yeah. described in a way that made her sound like she was 80 years old. Right. <laughs> and I do think it, it describes her as like a governess. Yeah, and maybe that's just how my brain just interprets those certain... Descriptors. Yes. Yeah. Because I think in this, Anne is 27, and I believe Mrs. Smith is, like, 31. Yeah. So she's only a few years older. And I do think that she does mention a teacher, so perhaps I got it confused a little, too. But just, like I said, the way that she was described and... I don't know, her woes and her being Mm -hmm. a widow. I just was like, oh, you know, it just seemed like a woman with a lot more life experience. Maybe that's really what did it. She just had so much that happened to her. It just Mm -hmm. maybe seemed like she was a bit more mature in age. But yeah. Yeah. And she's she's a 31-year-old younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) And me. And she's described as, like, being chronically ill and kind of, like, disabled. Yes. And I'm really, it never describes, like, what her ailments are, but I'm curious as to what what they could be. Like, if she was just sick all the time Mm. or how that played out. Well, and I think it did say if she had the funds to care for her illness, then it wouldn't be as severe. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, she's in a position, at least when we meet her, where she's quite... I don't know that destitute is the word I would use, but she... She's struggling. Yeah, she, I mean, she has enough to sustain what she's got going on, but nothing more. Right. It's it's funny what is considered, like, poor at this time, because she, she's living in what I'm guessing are apartments, and mm-hmm. she still has servants. Yeah. She has, like, a handmaid and a housemaid and whatever, so it's interesting that she would be like considered poor and to be pitied, but she also still has servants. Right. Because I work and I cannot afford any maids or butlers of any kind. I know. <laughs> we, you and I both are in what is the golden situation. We're a two-income household with zero kids. Right. Which is apparently like We're doing meant the to best. be just flush with we cash. Should, we should be flush so. With cash. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what my brain just did. That's exactly I, I had what to we just should for be. You. <laughs> but sadly, we are not Jean Ralphio. We sure are not. And I would I would treat Dr. Saperstein with the fatherly respect he deserves. Yeah. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> he is very he's so precious in the show. Henry Ex- Winkler is just oh, precious. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the, he is precious in the show, except for when he is going after yes, Tom. Yes. But that. Other than that, he's Love awesome. his character. So, yeah. there The idea of poorness in this time is strange to me. Yes. But, yeah. Um, Basically, speaking, if you can't be lavish and spend your money how right, you want, then... You're poor. Yeah. So, we are all poor. <laughs> and if you have to work for your money... You poor. No, no, no. Nope. That is not a respectable way to be rich. Gross. You use your hands. Mm. Yeah. To work. The, the most respectable in this time period is people who are born into their title and their lands and who do not have to work for their money. And I'm what I'm saying is I'm down for that. 
<laughs> I would gladly <laughs> have been born into money right. and not have to work for it. But sadly, that is not the world we live in. Sadly, no. Would I appreciate it if I were born into it? Maybe what is better is you grow up working for your money. Right. And then when you're like 35, you just find out that you've inherited some right. Skriller. And then you treat all of your workers like gold mm-hmm. and, you know, sustain your wealth while still being generous. Yeah. And you don't act crazy and buy like five houses and boats and cars. You right. just... You know, you understand yes. how to manage it. You make yourself comfortable without being stupid about it. <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm manifesting this for uh, for all of us. Yes, honestly. <laughs> so we're gonna keep our fingers crossed about that. Right. While we talk about Lady Dalrymple, the name alone. <sighs> so Lady Dalrymple and her daughter Mrs. Car- Miss, not Mrs. Ms. Cartret are cousins of the Elliots. They're high-ranking in society. They're considered nobility. So if it's Miss, so she's not married. Correct. Why is she not also a Dalrymple? I'm guessing that Dalrymple is probably the estate. Okay. And Lady Dalrymple's actual surname is Carteret. Gotcha. I mean, Lady Dalrymple sounds fancy. It does sound fancy. That's my guess. I don't actually know. but We're just curious. Yeah. I've wondered that as well. But they're cousins of the Elliots, and the Elliots are very proud to be related to members of the nobility. Especially Sir Walter. Yes. Elizabeth. And Mary. And Mary. Yes. And? She doesn't care. Yeah. She's like, whatever. She might be able to give a hoot, but... Yeah. Not many. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, sick. Yeah. All right. Good for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sup, cuz. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah, they're my cousins. They're not someone I need to impress. What do you mean? <laughs> right. And those are all of our characters. Yes. <laughs> we gave some of our comments now so they'll understand yeah. going forward. We we did describe our characters more yeah. than general. I just had feelings that I couldn't wait to yeah. share. Until later. (laughs) They were bursting out of me. (laughs) So our story starts in true Jane Austen fashion with some satire. (laughs) So we're with Sir Walter, first of all. And he's looking through his very favorite piece of literature. His favorite book ever. The only book that means literally anything to him. (laughs) And it is The Baronetage. So it basically is like all the baronets in the land. Mm -hmm. And he like has the page marked of his family. And he takes like such pride in seeing his name there, seeing his late wife's name, his daughter's. Yes. Just to be included just fills him with such glee. Such joy. And he likes to leave it open to to that page (laughs) so that he can just glance at it. At his leash. He could trip over it and go, oh, goodness. Oh, look, there I am. Yeah. Person who's in my home seat. Do you see this? I just stumbled upon this. <laughs> this is the bandage. <laughs> see my lineage. It's... My name is in this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to me that the... We, it is. It, and it's like super parallel to when we start off Pride and Prejudice with Mrs. Bennett. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just, like, the irony of who she is and her obsession with getting her daughters married. Yes. And then we get Sir Walter and his obsession with... Himself. Himself and the rank of his family Mm -hmm. and society. And it's just memorialized forever in print. Yeah. It's so funny to me. Yes. They're both just so silly. Yes. Well, and it's funny because Mr. Bennett doesn't really care about Mm -hmm. marrying off his daughters either, but for a totally different reason than Sir Walter, because Sir Walter just doesn't think about it because he's thinking about himself. Right. Mr. Bennett's just like, I just want my girls happy. Yeah. And cool. I want them to stay cool. Yeah. Like Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So I just find it, and obviously the same writer is going to have like similar styles yes. throughout their works, but. I do think I, I, it's interesting because you can kind of pinpoint the similar characters or even similar story notes between this and Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. But you can also see the things that are quite different oh, as yeah. well. So yeah. I, I I had that in the back of my mind while reading it and I, I just enjoyed that about it. Yeah, and this is so much later than Pride and Prejudice, and you can really tell that this is her last novel mm-hmm. when you read it. it. It reads so mature. And the other one's a bit more light, and f- like the characters mm-hmm. like Mrs. Bennett. Right. What a character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, ha- I think we have a bit of that... Um, Hyper energy coming from Mary, mm-hmm. but I still, I think that, yeah, I see Pride and Prejudice being a little bit more lighter, a little bit more, I don't know about comical, but yeah. I don't know. I, I do agree yeah. that Persuasion is a bit more mature. Yeah. It, it, they definitely have different tones. And I think that having our protagonists, Elizabeth and Anne, be, they have some similarities, but they're also very, very different. Like, yes. Elizabeth is very fiery and quick-witted and clever and doesn't shy away from, like, stating her opinion. Right. And then you have Anne, who is also very intelligent and clever. Mm-hmm, but, but she's, she's more quiet and reserved. Yeah. She's more of an observer. Mm-hmm. Like, she notices things about people and yeah. she... I feel like Anne's a little more nurturing than she's Elizabeth. A, yeah. She's much more nurturing and she has a lot more patience for people. Yes. Yeah. And Elizabeth has like, zero patience for people, especially <laughs> her sisters. She's like, no. Zero, zero yeah. percent interested in any nonsense. I am not going to entertain <laughs> this at all. <laughs> so, it's yeah, it's funny. I, I think our protagonist being, like, I think, honestly, if Elizabeth had e- experienced Anne's experiences, by the time she got to 27, she would be a lot more similar to Anne. I agree. I so agree. So that's an interesting, like, thing. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yes. But, yeah, so the first chapters of this book, we really just kind of see the Elliots finding out that they're overspending. I would assume they're overspending being Sir Walter yes. and Elizabeth. Anne doesn't seem like much of a spendy spender to me, but... Right. <laughs> they've kind of ruined their finances, and they can no, no longer afford to live the lifestyle that they've been living and they can't stay in Kellynch Hall, so which they just can't fathom not living oh. there. And like just the the attitude of Elizabeth, especially, I was just like, instead of taking responsibility for your actions, you're just gonna be like, this just will not do. It's mm-hmm. like, lady, this is the bed you've you've laid for yourself. Yeah. You you gotta do something. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> right. But uh, luckily, Lady Russell and uh, Mister Shepherd kind of persuade a bit and advise Sir Walter to rent out Kellynch Hall 
and uh, get them to move to Bath instead. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the best of both worlds, right? They're not right. selling their home, so they're not losing it, but they're renting it out. And then Sir Walter is quite pleased because then he's like, oh, I can say that I'm renting it out to an Admiral Croft. Right. Which sounds good. Exactly. He's like, this will kind of sound very upper statusy of me. So yeah. he's not just a mister. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a really, like, hilarious way to think about that. I know. I know. Like, okay. I was upset, but now that I can use the name of the person living in my home to my advantage, mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. <laughs> and Bath just seems so much more suited to Sir Walter and Elizabeth's dispositions. Like, they, Kellynch is, like, in the country. Mm -hmm. But Bath, they will have, like, society, like, shit to do every day, engagements, moving in the social circle of their rank, whereas at Kellynch and in, like, the county, they're it. Yeah. Like, they are the highest of the high in that county. And so they kind of only hang out with themselves. Right. I do like the seeing the different styles of just those different areas where our groups of characters visit. Mm-hmm. I like seeing the different dynamics. Yeah. And even in the story, like, Jane describes what makes Bath and, and the way that society moves and the way people behave is different. And I, I found that incredibly intriguing, and I, I liked that addition a lot. Yeah, I agree. In these chapters, we also get the information on why the Elliots do not get along with William Elliot. Right. The heir. So, obviously, I think we've already talked about it. uh, Well, hinted at it. But he was expected to marry Elizabeth, essentially. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, formally arranged, but it... It's one of those things. It was like an unwritten... Unwritten agreement. Unspoken agreement. Yeah. Yeah. That he would marry Elizabeth as the eldest, and him the heir. Mm -hmm. But he did not. Right. They invited him about, Mm -hmm. and he just... Yeah, they were, like, beginning the things, like, hanging out with him in town Mm -hmm. and inviting him to Kellynch and blah, 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 and he was just not having it. Yeah, I think he kind of ignored a few of their invites and then... Yeah, and then he went off and married a rich woman who was untitled... Right. So she was of lower birth, but had money. As I say, she had that cash money. Listen here. Sometimes you got to get that Skriller. <laughs> and that's what he was about. Yes, and he the, is. But the Elliots were like, no, 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 no. Right. My so man. No. They are the definition of butthurt towards him. Legit. They are. <laughs> yeah. So keeping that in mind going forward. Right. It's just, it's a little tidbit thrown at you. Right. To save for later. Yeah, you just got to keep that in your pocket. Mm -hmm. So we go through the motions of the Elliots, like, packing up their shit and getting ready to turn Kellynch over to the new tenants. We meet the tenants, Admiral and Mrs. Croft. Mm -hmm. They come to tour it, do all the things, and everyone is kind of, like, happy about it. I think at this point, Sir Walter and Elizabeth are like, get this this out of my hair. I want to go to Bath. They're, like, kind of pumped about it. Right. Anne's, like, sad. Yeah. Is, isn't is um, Lady Russell sort of trying... Is she trying to persuade... She's happy that the other two are going back, yeah. but isn't she kind of wanting Anne to stay with her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, that's kind of the arrangement. Lady Russell invites Anne to stay with her at Kellynch Lodge, which is, like, next door, basically. 
But she's happy that Sir Walter and Elizabeth are going because she thinks that that means that Mrs. Clay is not going to be around anymore. Right. Because she is suspicious of Mrs. Clay and her designs on Sir Walter. Yeah. What about Mrs. Clay's parents? Like, I guess because she's... Because she's a widow too, right? Mm -hmm. So... And I think she has a child, maybe? She just like... kids? She's... Oh, she has kids? I think... I don't know why I think... I feel like I... Yes. I don't remember her having kids, but it, it was probably mentioned very briefly because we're right. that's we, not the part about her that we're focusing on. Right. But it's like, so are you just living with the Elliots? Are you just mooching? Like, she's yeah. never not there. She's never not there. She's the perpetual house guest. I don't think she lives with them because it always, like, there are a couple of scenes in the beginning where she is brought over by her father. True. But, and when they are in Bath also, she doesn't stay with the Elliots in Camden Place either. She has her own, like, lodging somewhere else. Okay. It just, I guess. But she's always around. I was going to say, the way I read the scenes, I was just like, girl, do you live here? Yeah. (laughs) It's so, I don't know. And I think the way that people hung out back then, because it took you so long to get anywhere, that it was kind of like a, we got to be here for a while. That's true. (laughs) So, but it does feel like she is literally always underfoot. Yes. It does. And Lady Russell is like, she got to go. Right. It's, it's not because she's jealous because she doesn't want Sir Walter. She, no. She she is fine. She's got her place. She had a lot of money left from her dead husband. She just doesn't like, want Mrs. Clay to have yeah. to go after Walter because she doesn't think it's a good match. Yeah. And she also doesn't think that Mrs. Clay is a good friend for Elizabeth either. Right. Which I, don't, I can't think of one friend that I would be like, boy, I wish you would marry my dad. Literally never. Do you want your best friend to now become your stepmom? No. And But I think Ma'am? <laughs> there is a scene in here where Anne is talking to Elizabeth and she is like, don't you think it's a little weird that Mrs. Clay is always here? Don't you see that she's like flirting with our dad? Oh, that's and right. Elizabeth's like, like, no. Gross. Ew, no. Stop it. She didn't even say gross. She's just like, that's not happening. Yeah, she's like, Stop. that's crazy. I forgot about that. So, yeah, Elizabeth is oblivious to it, but Anne and Lady Russell are like, I got my eyes on you. Right. If her dad remarried, then she would no longer be the lady of the house. Because as it stands, she kind of runs the house in place of her mom. True. So, So, yeah, she just must be totally blind and oblivious. It's... Well, very That's a strange. gross friend thing to do, that too. That is gross. That's, I mean, what they call that an upstart. I think that's what uh, Lady Catherine de Berg calls uh, Elizabeth oh. in Pride and Prejudice, an oh. upstart. I didn't know. Oh. I didn't remember that. <laughs> Maybe it's in the film. We're going to have to start recording this because I, the faces that, <laughs> <laughs> that I <know>. are made. <laughs> I do have a camera. We just need to get a mic for it and we're in business. There we go. But yeah, I just, I feel my face making so many <laughs> expressions. <laughs> oh, goodness. Mm. But yeah, so Anne does not go to Bath. Mm-mm. And uh, I don't know how it ends up that she decides to go hang with Mary for a while. But they get a letter from Mary. Well, I think she was just always going to go spend a couple of months at Upper Cross with Mary. Because Oh, because Lady Russell is away. And yeah. she's sort of like not wasting time, but just holding over at Mary's mm-hmm. until Lady Russell comes back. Yeah, that's right. Basically. Okay. Yeah. So... Really the only scene of note that we have here until Anne goes to Uppercross is that the Crofts come to t- t- to tour Kellynch 
and we find out, that's when Anne finds out that Mrs. Croft is the sister of Frederick Wentworth, her ex-lover. And then we get, like, the backstory. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't literal lovers, you know, because nobody of did the, that. Yeah, of the times. But they were in love and engaged. They were engaged. Yeah. This but. is seven, almost eight years prior. But because of his standing in society and he hadn't gotten his captainship yet or Mm -hmm. a ship or anything like so he was was like at the cusp of his career taking off Mm -hmm. and so lady russell just didn't think that he was good enough and she also kind of made it to Anne too that he would be better off if he had the opportunity to be with someone other than Anne. So right, someone up, not only yeah. was she like, well, he's not the right station for you because Anne doesn't care about that, but she mm-hmm. also twisted it and was like, oh, but Anne, he'd be much better off with yeah. someone else for whatever reason she concocted. Right, yeah. And Sir Walter was like not pumped about it either. Yeah. He, But he didn't say, no, you can't, but it was kind of like, right. I'm not going to acknowledge this. Yeah. But I liked how they described young Frederick, like, you know, even though he wasn't in his career yet and, like, highly established, like, he was a go-getter and, like, what he set his mind to, he always did. Mm -hmm. So there seemed to be, there really was no reason for them to doubt that he wouldn't do everything he said he would. Right. So. And then he went on to, in fact, do all of it and. And more. And more. And now, at this point, he's very rich. Mm Mm-hmm. And has, you know, he's made his fortune and he's still young. Yeah. I mean, I would, it doesn't ever say his age, but I would assume he's of an age with Anne. Right. And we know that a man of that age of that wealth must be in want of Of a a wife. wife. That's true. (laughs) Listen, and we find this out. He is on the hunt for a wife. He is. Especially societally back then, it wasn't like... If you want to be single, that you know, that's fine. It you, Really, only people back off you if you've been married and you lose your spouse. Yeah, then you, like, you're totally fine. Especially if you're a woman. They're just sort of like, you know. Yeah, you don't, you don't do need you. to rem- Yeah, You, you did the married to- thing at least once. Exactly. But- <laughs> Men are more, I think. Expected in- to have a lady of the house. Expected to remarry. Especially if, like, their first marriage was only daughters or no kids. Then yeah. they are definitely expected to remarry. Right. But. But little did they know back here that it is the sperm that decides the sex of the baby, not the egg. (laughs) Right. So if he had three daughters with his first wife and then he got remarried, it very well could be that he just had three more daughters with a second wife. Right. Because maybe his sperms are just shooting exes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sorry. Back in the day, women would be... Men could divorce a woman if she didn't give him a son. Right. Which she has no chromosomal Bitch. say in the matter. The only chromosome she can provide is yeah. an X. We, we only got X's. Yep. If there's going to be a Y, it's from you. You ass. So why are you blaming us? <laughs> why can't you look in the mirror and see who your problem is? <laughs> you old bitch. <laughs> We're just blamed for all the shit. I know. And then science comes along and is like, well, actually, excuse me, (laughs) we've been wrong about this. Actually. (laughs) And if a man and a woman didn't have any kids, it was always just assumed that the woman was barren. But he could be shooting blanks as well. Right. Never crossed their minds that it could be the man. If it did cross their minds, obviously they were too... They were probably... you. What you had was probably a bunch of Sir Walters mm-hmm. making these accusations. Yeah, it couldn't possibly be me. Right. I could never be the problem. <laughs> right. Okay. 
<laughs> We've solved it. Crack the code on Sir that Walters one. of the world back in the ye old days. <laughs> Causing all the problems. Yeah. Listen here, we're still fighting these issues. Yes. <laughs> all right. So the Crofts, they're moved in. The Elliots have moved out. Yep. Mrs. Clay is accompanying them to Bath. Indeed she is. Much to the chagrin of Anne and Lady Russell. Yep. And Mary sends her letter saying that she's unwell. She needs Anne to come and tend her at Uppercross. She is so ridiculous. She really is. She's unwell when she needs someone to feel badly for her. Yeah. That like, this woman is... <laughs> she's... She's the girl who cried sick. <laughs> she is. She is. But I do think Anne spends like a week with Lady Russell before. And so she doesn't really go to Uppercross any sooner than she was going to. Right. So, I mean, it, Mary's letter notwithstanding. I was going to say, I thought that was always the plan anyway. Yeah, so like, but it, it was. It was just like, why didn't you come sooner? Yeah. I needed Why you. didn't you come on Thursday? Right. But then yeah. I was like, well, I felt quite fine yesterday, but today I feel quite awful. It's like, Mary, shut girl, up. Uh, God. She is just as self-centered as her father and sister, if not she, somehow more so. Yeah, she's at least more insufferable. She's much more insufferable. Which is why I just, like I said, she ended up with the nicest husband. Yeah, Charles Musgrove is just, he's just a fun guy. Yeah. He's just out here shooting. Yep. With his dogs. He's just, he's just get it? A, a chill dude. He's super chill. <laughs> All the Musgroves are pretty chill. They really are. They really are. And I think that's why Mary rubs them. The wrong way. Yeah. Because she's so extra. <laughs> she is the definition of extra, dude. <laughs> So, yes, you know, you've got Mary, who pretty much has everything a woman should want in this day and age. And she's just complaining about being alone and how her sons are so unmanageable and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But uh, Anne is eventually able to cheer her up enough to get her off the couch and go visit the Musgroves in the main house. Yeah. So they are they all kind of like on a property together? Yeah. Yeah. Because Mary and Charles are at Uppercross Cottage. And then Uppercross, the main, like the great house at Uppercross is like where the Musgroves lived. And that's when we meet Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove along with Henrietta and Louisa. And uh, Anne likes the Musgroves because they're just kind, merry, comfortable people. Mm -hmm. You know, and she finds their company a breath of fresh air compared to her. To her her father and older sister, and I dare say her younger sister as well, but... Yeah. Her younger sister is there with her, so she gets no reprieve from that. None. (laughs) Yeah. She, and I think it also describes, like, the kinds of things that the Musgroves talk about is more, like, what's going on, like, in life, and they're talking more about, like, activities and hobbies and stuff like that. Yes, which I liked a lot. Yeah, and then you have the Elliots, who are mostly concerned with society. Yeah. And and it's, like, so much. Society would have bored me so much. I agree. Anne is so much better with the Musgroves because those are things that she's interested in too, like yes. books and stuff like that. So Yeah. You just have delightful yeah. people hanging out with each other. And it's yeah. nice. It's so nice. No one's trying to scheme on anybody else Mm-mm. other than Mary and her whining. Yeah. Mary. <laughs> but she's, like you said, she's kind of comical. 
Yeah, she's like the comedic relief at this part for yeah. me. Yeah. So whenever she's at, when Anne's at Uppercross, this is whenever we get to see how people around Anne kind of lean on her. Mm-hmm. Because with this group, she's kind of like the middle person. Mm-hmm. Like Mary is leaning on her. The Musgroves are trying to get Anne to like persuade Mary to be like less insufferable. <laughs> And so you have, like, Charles and then the other Musgroves. And then you have Mary and Anne's just here, like, in the middle trying to, like, field all of these people. Yes, being patient. And I think she does, you know, try to gently persuade people. But also times I think she just listens and lets people get it out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's doing both of those things. I think she's mostly trying to influence Mary yeah. When she can. But in all other respects, I think she's just like... That's like shattering a brick wall. Yeah. You know, yeah. At Mary. <laughs> yeah. It works maybe for a brief moment, but generally... Yeah. Generally, it, it's not, not lasting. But it's funny how Mary complains about how Charles raises the boys, and then Charles complains about how Mary raises the mm-hmm. boys. <laughs> yep. Huh? Yep. And she's just kind of like... But it is noted in there that the boys respect Anne much more than they respect Mary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is sad. It is sad. But as an outsider, you go, well, yeah. Obviously. But, you know, if you were Mary, yeah, you'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. my children don't respect me. Yeah. But she also Ouch. doesn't seem to care that much no. about, like, being their mother. It's hilarious because she will criticize someone else. She literally does criticize someone else for being away from their children mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But then she also argues why she should be able to be away from her children. So she's yeah. like, I can't believe that they would leave their children for blah, da, 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 da. But I should be able to leave the kids because they don't really need me. I'm just like, do you? Mm-hmm. you do you think about these things before they come out of your mouth? Or does it just logic? Does, yep. What? <laughs> it makes no sense. She just, yeah. Oh, boy, in her own world, is she? Yeah, so totally. That just cracked me up. And it's all about the irony. Yes. All of these, yes. like, the characters that are the most silly are just full of irony. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, her ridiculousness just mm-hmm. had me had me laughing and shaking my head most often. <laughs> I agree. But, uh, yeah. And it's interesting. Anne's got this, like, gnawing thing in the back of her head this just at all times because the Crofts are at Kellynch, which mm-hmm. is near Upper Cross. Right. It's, like, three miles away, so yeah. short distance. So it's sort of like, ugh, am I... It's, Frederick gonna visit her? Am I gonna yeah. run into him? Yeah. You know? And I think this is probably a feeling we can all kind of like relate to, like anticipating the possibility of running into someone that you've known in your past. Right. Not necessarily does it have to be in a romantic way, but like anytime I go and visit my dad or my brother, going back to the town I went to high school in, I'm always like, ugh, if I have to go to the gas station, am I going to see someone I went to high school with? And it's never a pleasant anticipation for me. It's something I would absolutely avoid at all costs. And they had such a complicated parting, so it takes that just like slightly awkward uh, that would be weird to uh uh, you know a whole nother level yeah because she knows that she broke his heart but she doesn't they've not had any correspondence in the interim so she doesn't know how he feels but she does suspect that he essentially hates her probably or has at least written her off or it's like resentful towards her some he has some negative feeling towards her is what she just assumes right which because 
for Anne, as we said, like um, Charles Musgrove was actually kind of meant to be for her. He pursued her mm-hmm. after her engagement ended, but her heart still belonged to Frederick. So she declined and yeah. she mentions and I think it's very romantic and sweet. It's just sort of like, you know, no one that she met after him compared. Yeah. And so she just kind of was not necessarily purposefully, because I think if she would have found someone who was up to snuff, as it were, she, you know, would have perhaps moved on. But no one did. So in a way, she was saving herself for him or someone like him, I guess. Right. You know, because he had qualities Mm -hmm. that, you know, she revered and, and looked for. And I think likewise, she had qualities that he revered as well. Which he does say at some point. Right. Yes. So, yeah. So she is kind of in constant anticipation that she could run into him. Yeah. And um, this is heightened when she and Mary pay a visit to Kellynch to visit the Crofts. Right. Because Mary's curious. She's like, yeah, we should go over there and visit them. And Anne's kind of like, fine, okay. And while they're visiting, they find out that Captain Wentworth, a.k.a. Frederick, will be visiting soon. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like, oh, well, that's his sister. I wonder if he might be around. It's like, oh, no, he's coming. Yeah. So Anne, these feelings are just increased. Yes. Which increases her stress and anxiety. Yeah. So she's, she's stressed. She's, there's probably an element of, like a tiny nugget of hopefulness in there that mm-hmm. yeah. it's going to be really not awful. Gr- like not <laughs> awful. Yeah. So, you know, the unknown always houses an element of potential mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. Which I, I do like that note. It's like, even if it, there's a little bit of dread, it's like there is a nugget of hope too. Yeah. Which I, th- I, I think is a cool sentiment. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of the thing with, you know, thinking about dreams and goals is they're in the future. They haven't happened yet. So there's infinite potential for what they could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that feeling of infinite hope kind of is the reason why a lot of people don't pursue their dreams, mm-hmm. because if they don't pursue it, then it's always an option. Mm-hmm. But if they pursue it and fail, it's lost. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if Anne had never run back into Wentworth, he would always be this possibility. Right. Whereas seeing him is going to decide that. Right. Definitely. Yes. So. <sighs> and then he arrives. <laughs> He's here. <laughs> and it is cold. A bit chilly. <laughs> Tis chilly. <laughs> so Mr. Musgrove goes and sees him. He's like, yada, yada, yada. And they are fast friends. So he invites him to Uppercross, obviously. That's like one, uh, one of the main customs of the time is like when someone's new in the mm-hmm. area, the people go and visit. Especially if they're of prominent stature. Or, right. It uh, is expected. Yes. And then once you've paid your visit, then they are expected to pay a visit to you. Right. It's such an interesting, like... Such a social dance. (laughs) It is. Everything is. It is. It's funny. (laughs) So he comes to Uppercross and everyone is invited to the main house to meet him. Mm Mm-hmm. Including Mary and Anne, but on their way there, one of Mary's sons has an accident. He, like, falls. He breaks his collarbone. And so Anne and Mary go back to the cottage to wait for the doctor to come. He comes. It's not that serious. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So they have... I would think back then a breaking of the collarbone would be pretty darn serious. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Perhaps it was just a sprain. Yeah. Or, Yeah. A bruising. I, I think, don't. I think they did say they thought it was broken, but then it was like a I don't know, like a muscular tear, like or, a strain yeah. or whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much you can do for a broken collarbone now, even. You just, like, get a sling and you yep. don't move your arm for a while. Yep. So, yeah. And she's so nervous that she's actually kind of relieved that she doesn't have to go. Right. Does it? And she kind of persuades Mary. She's like, listen, Mary, you go, you know, because... That's the next... That's for the dinner. Oh, that's for the dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to say, because, you know, of course, Mary, if she thinks she's going to miss out on anything, she about dies. Yeah. But yes... In this moment, yes, Anna's kind of like, whew, dodged an awkward bullet. (laughs) Yeah, putting putting off the inevitable just a little longer. Right. Which then rolls into they're invited to dinner the next night at Upper Cross, and he's going to be there. Yes. And originally, Henrietta and Louisa are like, Anne, you have to come, blah, blah, blah. Mary, we're so sorry. You have to stay here with your sick kid. And she's like, I don't know why. I'm so useless. I'm of no help. I just panic and... I can't help my child. But then the next breath, she'll talk about what a great mother she is. You know, she's just... Yeah. Completely just contradicting herself left and right. And she's like, I don't see why everyone else should go and meet Captain Wentworth and I should have to stay here. Anne's of no consequence. Nobody could want Anne. (laughs) And Anne's like, listen here, I'll stay. Right. Go tell your husband that you're coming with him. You're going to the dinner. (laughs) I'll stay with the kid. It's fine. So yet another bullet dodged on Anne's part. And uh, avoided Mary whining. Yep. So for a prolonged <laughs> bit of yes. time, anyway. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. And after is it after the dinner? Henrietta and Louise are hanging out like they all do, and that's when she they're sort of talking about how they're kind of taken with him and how wonderful he is and. Yeah, and then, yeah, so... Or that's before the dinner. That's when they, like, invite them to the dinner. But, yeah, so these girls are like, hey, eligible bachelor. And no one knows of Wentworth and Anne's history. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not no. facetious. Yeah, they're, no one's, no one's yeah. purposely trying to hurt anyone's feelings right. or whatever. So they're just, like, young pretty girls and he's just this strapping handsome sailor coming into their midst with all of his money right so they're like hmm (laughs) which one is gonna win but it's a little complicated because henrietta sort of had a thing with the yeah their cousin charles hater hater i was gonna say i felt like we were forgetting someone earlier oh we did forget charles hater so charles hater is also a character he is a cousin of the musgroves yep his mother is sister to mrs musgrove and in the same fashion that william elliot was intended for elizabeth elliot yeah charles is it charles charles hater Hater. too many people with the same first names i I understand that that was common back then but i can't take it my brain can't take (laughs) it so charles hater was intended for Henrietta. Henrietta. But it was sort of awkward and didn't quite I mean, come I, to fruition. I think it was just sort of like yeah, I lack think, of full design on both sides. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. And I think they're both young. Like, she's only 19, I think. Yeah. And the, she and Louisa just got back from school and he's away. So yeah. it's just like kind of a proximity thing at this point. Right. But he right. does return after she has met Captain Wentworth. Yeah. And so Captain Wentworth is like the favorite to Henrietta and Louisa. Yeah. And so Charles Hayter kind of feels like the odd man out. Like, right. I can't compete with this guy. Right. So. And I'm sorry if I if I got ahead of our notes. No, it no, just no. popped in my brain. <laughs> no. It, it was like just a few bullets down okay. anyway. So I, it's fine. I do that all the time. I just get too <laughs> excited and I jump ahead and I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. 
But Anne is taken fully by surprise the next day after the dinner. Because someone comes for a visit. Wentworth comes to the cottage. Mm. And he's not there to see her. No. He is there to meet Charles Musgrove to go shooting. Right. But Anne is there. And they, I don't think they even speak to each other. They just, like, their see eyeballs, each other. Their eyeballs, like, look at each other for but a yeah. moment. Yeah. And Anne wonders how the years have changed his feelings about her. Yeah. And this next part, I was displeased with <laughs> with my man, Frederick. So. Sir. Ugh. <laughs> So after they go shooting, the guys are gone, and it's just Anne and Mary. It's tea time. (laughs) It's tea time in the literal and figurative sense. (laughs) And Mary tells her that Henrietta had asked Wentworth what he thought of Anne, and he responds with, she was so altered that he should not have known her again. Bitch. Granted, I don't know that he thought it would get back to her, but I don't know how he could have thought that it wouldn't. He had to have known, especially if some nosy little girl's like, what do you think? Why did she ask anyway? I think, I think they know that they know each other. Okay. Because his brother was the like curate at Monkford, which is near Kellynch. Right. So they know that they know each other. That's right. But nothing beyond acquaintance. Even still. Even still. I don't know that I... I don't know. I never... That just feels like a stirring the pot question. It does. Oh, what do you... So what do you think of Anne? Yeah. And I don't know if maybe... It wasn't vindictive, but it does feel a little... I'm wondering if Henrietta asked him if maybe... Oh, did you see Anne? Yeah. And then Mary contrived it when she's telling Anne Quite that possibly. this is what he this is what she said. Quite possibly. Because I I just don't get the vibe of Henrietta like being malicious. And this no. question feels very malicious. Yes. What did you think of Anne? Right. Not did you see Anne? Right. And I could too perhaps Henrietta was also testing the waters of like, do you have your eyes on anyone? Like she's the only other eligible yeah. female in our current grouping true what do you think of her since i know that you know her so maybe she was just kind of trying to get a feel of his feelings again not malicious Mm -hmm. but yes we have to consider our messenger here mary mary oh lord mary but it's his response that really grated me yes she was so altered that he should not have known her again bitch come on now, I know that Darcy also makes a snide comment about Elizabeth, but his was more born out of irritation of everyone pushing him, and he was already at a party that he didn't want to be at, and he had no yes. intention of Elizabeth ever hearing the thing that came out of his mouth. And he did not know Elizabeth. Exactly. But Wentworth knows Anne yes. and loved her. Yes. Darcy would love Elizabeth forever, even if she rejected him. He, yes. in fact, does. Yes. She rejected him hotly yes. and rudely. And he loved rightfully. her all the more. <laughs> and he loved her more. Yes. So I just had to bring that up because I feel like someone would be like, well, Darcy said something rude. Yeah. Different. Different. So Not different. Not the same. Not the same at all. But yeah, that was that was cold. Oh. It was cold as ice. <laughs> yes, it was. And I will I don't have... know why I'm so singing today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll stop. I will have the reader know that in the notes in particular is stated Darcy would never. He would never. I just feel like you guys need to know that that was the thought. No. Darcy would never. Because again, like we said, he didn't know Elizabeth at the time. And I I personally believe that his comment was born out of irritation of all the 
I agree. Pushing and pressure. Yeah. And not personally directed at El- El- at Elizabeth at all because he did not know her. Yeah. Frederick, and, however. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even much after that that he talks about her having fine eyes. Yes. As I so, say, he compliments her and stuff. Yes. So I feel if Darcy was, and he actually, in fact, was, when he is asked a question about someone that he actually disdains, he still gives a respect a respectful response mm-hmm. unless he is in someone's confidence and yes. then perhaps he might share more mm-hmm. but he doesn't just spout off rude stuff right that he knows is gonna yeah interestingly i darcy is much more mature than frederick yes frederick is very motivated by emotions and feelings mm-hmm. clearly like he said this about Anne because she broke his heart. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Obviously. And a lot of his actions from here through most of the middle mm-hmm. is because he's resentful of Anne. Right. Like, there's a line in there that he he's looking for a wife and all he asks is amiable qualities and it, anyone except Anne Elliot. Right. Like, But he does admit that the qualities in which he looks for are qualities that Anne Elliot possesses. Yes. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I think Darcy knows himself more than Captain Wentworth knows himself, and I think Darcy is more mature. Yeah, it's weird. This story is more mature, but actually, in a lot of ways, Darcy and Elizabeth are more mature in the sense that they are willing to express their feelings quite honestly, Mm -hmm. whereas Anne and Wentworth are just sort of like orbiting each other and kind of keeping things Close to the chest. One mm-hmm. might argue that's more mature, but I also think it's very, I don't know, not childlike, but I mean, sort of. It's like when, you know, they're both scared. They're mm-hmm. behaving like... scared. They're scared. They're scared. What I think is interesting in that dichotomy is that I think the way that Elizabeth and Darcy are with each other are what we want to be. Mm-hmm. And the way that Anne and Wentworth are with each other are the way that most of us are. Absolutely. 100%. So I think... In that way, that makes their relationship, the way it's constructed, feel more mature because it's more more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought about that on the ride here. I was like, I would like to think that I would have just had the gumption to go, look, I screwed up. I still want to be with you. If you don't want to be with me, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. But this is what's going on. I'm going crazy over there. Yeah. (laughs) Across the room. Right. But would I? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I (laughs) I definitely, I, I definitely wouldn't. Uh, I, I might, it might be a situation where I would maybe ag- acknowledge that the decision I made in the past was ill-informed right. or that I regret the decision, but I probably wouldn't be as candid. You would be like, saying, and I also right. still burn a raging fire of love for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. I just simply wouldn't do that. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird juggle of putting enough out there to convey how you feel, but not too much to where it like overburdens them or puts you in a vulnerable position. So I think that's, that's where we are. Definitely. Definitely. But everyone would like to think that they would be a a Darcy, right? Right. Or an Elizabeth. Her saying, I can't believe I was so blind. I can't believe that I believed Wickham and blah, 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 and right. I discredited you so much. Yes. We would that all like to think... That part was a bit immature, her oh, taking yes. Wickham's word, for sure. Yes. <laughs> and she she immediately feels the sting of that when she finds out the truth. Right. Immediately, she's like, fuck. 
But I think it was easy for her to believe because she already had a distasteful interaction with him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And she let it color how she saw him after that. And so any negatives that she heard about him, she was like, well, I believe that. Right. Even though after that, he was not. No. Yeah. (laughs) He was perfectly kind. Right. He just is a socially awkward, sweet, Mm -hmm. precious angel. Yeah. He's just an introvert. (laughs) He's just an introvert. Right. Listen. Maybe not angel, but he's still sweet and precious in my mind. (laughs) Darcy, honestly, top tier. Right. And we all know it. Matthew McFadden as Darcy, equally top tier. <laughs> Ooh, top tier. Uh, I hope they never remake that movie again. I feel like it would just be a disappointment. You know they'll try, but it, it won't replace it, so it won't matter. That's right. It's just superior. I mean, which is weird because the original, not the original, but like the 1990s version from mm. the BBC where Colin Firth plays Darcy, it's very good. But there's just something about Matthew McFadden, the way he plays it, is just crazy. It's, uh, his sweet eyes. Yeah. Like, the, uh, just the way he looks at her. Yeah, the, and, like, the scene where he's, like, walking out of the mist and his shirt's, like, unbuttoned. I'm like, Jesus, who, who did this? <laughs> Whose idea was this? <laughs> She's like, blessings upon you and your household. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what, that's, that's what everyone is saying. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, sorry for the um, the Darcy tangent. <laughs> Can't help ourselves. Sorry, not sorry, uh, but still a little sorry. We'll get back on track. <laughs> yeah, you all know it's true, so don't right. even play. Don't even play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, and I think that that was such a man, like, not like men suck, but it was just sort of like a man's perspective response. Like, mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, she, basically she's not as pretty as she used to be. It, that's exactly what he's saying. You know, and unfortunately for her, she's like, he's gotten even hotter, better with age. What a fine wine. Dang it. (laughs) And I just kind of, that's like a tiny insight into the differences between what women find attractive and what men find attractive. Because I feel like if you were to pull a bunch of, say, women our age, Mm-hmm. early 30s, uh, layout cards of men in their late 30s, men in their late 20s. All, most of us are going to pick the late 30s men. Right. Hands down, to me, the hottest dudes are late 30s. Mm-hmm. They have matured. They just look hotter to me. Yeah, yeah. And I think I felt like that even when I was younger, mm-hmm. too. Like, mm-hmm. even in, like, high school, the hottest dude to me was Brad Pitt in Legends of the Fall. Right. Like someone with like a little bit of scruff and, you know, grit. Exactly. I I like a rugged man. Yeah. So a little... Your partner choice. (laughs) Perfection. Declares that very loudly. (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny when I see photos of like young actors that are like 19 or 20. I'm like, child. Right. Yuck. Child, get away from me. I know. Yeah. When I hear so women weird. at like work or, you know, whatever, any social engagement and they're like much older than me and they're like fawning, calling sexy someone who's younger than I am. Yeah. I, I made another face, guys. <laughs> like uh, Timothy Chalamet is someone that a lot of people think is like, really attractive. I think he's a precious and he's like 27. That's not he, that much younger than me. I think he's handsome. I, I liked him in the roles that I've seen. Yeah, I think he's super talented. I yeah. think I can see that he is an attractive guy. Yes. But I wouldn't look at him and be like, oh my God, he is sexy. I would not place myself with him. I would not be like, yes, no. 
me plus him equals perfect. It was just it's just like he's a handsome, good little actor. Like when I when top I notch Timothy, yeah. good job. But when I see no, him, I'm like, oh yeah, oh it's yeah. Timothy. Yeah, that's oh, she's the, cute. <laughs> oh, how cute is he? Talented man. That's how I talk to my dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, and obviously, I'm incredibly happy with my husband. But still, too, it's just like I I would not look at someone like him and be like, oh yeah, me plus you equals me. wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, yeah, you're cute and talented, but yeah, but you cutie. Yeah. Go on with yourself. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> but men seem to be the opposite. Mm, yeah. a l- not all men. That's generalizing. But right. a lot of dudes mm-hmm. like a woman in her early 20s. Well, and even probably especially in these times because. Oh, yeah. And if you're thinking from a biological standpoint, like mm-hmm. a Dwight Schrute, <laughs> as it were, you're looking. Their brain is trying to tell them what's attractive is young and fertile. Right. So. You know, the younger, the probably the younger they see, the more fertile they imagine that they are. You and know? their reproductive years are more plenty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, That's what I'm thinking. Anyway. Yes. And that makes the most sense. Yeah. But yeah. But anywho. I, I know. I feel like I look much better than when I was in my early 20s. Me too. If, if anyone is asking. Right. I mean, I mean about myself. <laughs> about not, myself, not yes. I think you, <laughs> when I was like, yeah, me too. Yeah, you look much better now because you younger. Ew. That is not what I was saying at all. <laughs> Your eyebrows were just a smidge thin. Oh, my gosh. Caleb posted a picture of us the other day. Yeah. <laughs> for Valentine's Day because we got engaged around Valentine's Day. So he was being very sweet. And, yes, one of the pictures, I have the most pencily pencil eyebrows. Mm, I know. And, like, the picture was black and white. You couldn't hardly see them things. And I have dark hair. So I was like, woof. Thank, yeah. thank the Lord I started letting those babies grow back out. I know. Caleb, if you loved me, even when my eyebrows were almost non-existent. That's true love. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> true love. <laughs> Listen, it was rough out here in these streets in the mid-2000s. We were plucking. We were, you know, we want, I don't know. We thought our bodies and our eyebrows were supposed to be the size of a stick, I guess. Yeah. Because that's what was popular in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. And, like, the 90s were way much thinner. We liked, like, a thicker, like, like front yes and a skinny tail which is even worse and that is exactly like the s- kind of eyebrow i had in that picture yeah. thick in the front skinny in the back it's like it's it's the eyebrow mullet of my nightmare yeah little sperms <laughs> oh my gosh yeah mine weren't horrendous they were very small but i have so much eyebrow mm-hmm. that it kind of wasn't as bad because listen here i have uh, an eyebrow i do too that's why i don't understand what template i was following for those skinny things but. yeah and my individual like eyebrow hairs are thick mm-hmm. and long nice even Good. though i trim them i don't wax them anymore yeah. i just it's too troublesome i just let it go yeah. and whenever there's like an errant eyebrow hair i'm like oh, i'll snag that but yep i don't wax anything no, anymore no unibrows and yeah i just get the stragglers you know otherwise let yeah. them be natural yeah uh, yeah me too so yet another tangent that i just (sighs) you guys it's been a while right Uh, and it's all pertinent pertinent. (laughs) (laughs) sure it's okay Uh, we'll move we'll move on from the comment obviously we didn't like it yeah yeah but it was born from deep pain yes and we love ann elliott we do love ann elliott so we will hear not against her Right. But uh, yes, we as the reader are told very clearly that Wentworth is looking for a wife. Mm-hmm. 
So, and as we said, except anyone except Anne Elliot. I just think it's funny that that is specifically stated. Yeah. Because, I, and I think it, it and I, maybe it's not said in that same moment, but like I said before, it was sort of like, yes, I prize all the attributes that she herself has, but not her. Yeah. Because she hurt him. She did hurt him, and fair. that's fair. Especially, and I think what hurt him the most was it wasn't, he felt like it wasn't, it's because she let someone else influence her. Yeah, that's Not exactly simply right. because she didn't want him, but because mm-hmm. she let someone else convince her, her. Yeah. not to be with him. And because he doesn't know that she walked away because she thought he'd be better off. Right, yeah. He, he completely just thinks that it was because he wasn't, had, good wasn't rich mm-hmm. and didn't have a title. That's like all he thinks. And yeah. so now, aside from all of the excellent qualities Anne has, in his mind, she's inconstant and weak of character and weak of mind, mm-hmm. which in this next section that we get into during the time that he spends so much time at the Musgroves at Uppercross while Anne is there, she constantly hears him saying remarks like the opening quote about the nut. Like, that nut was strong enough to weather the storm while mm-hmm. all other nuts dropped off. Mm-hmm. He is calling Anne, like, a weak nut. Like, right. weak of character. Right. Even though he's not saying it to her. Right. Or, like, naming her. When mm-hmm. he's talking to, like, Louisa or Henrietta, that's what he's saying. And he knows that she can right. hear him. You find that they speak to each other by having conversations with other people. Yes. In hopes or in knowing that they are listening. Yeah. It's very interesting. It is super interesting. And and it didn't really dawn on me until now, like, that they truly communicate. They did communicate with each other through other people. Yeah. Yeah. Through so, their voice. It just mm-hmm. spoke into someone else in hopes that they were overhearing. Yeah. And all of these comments from Wentworth during this time where he's talking, like, makes a comment about weakness of character or whatever mm-hmm. it couldn't be born he could never have a wife who with a weakness of character who didn't mm-hmm. like know her own mind or mm-hmm. couldn't make her own decisions mm-hmm. he knows that she hears him right but and I that's also, disappointing it is it is but i do think it's interesting too that he also can't deny what he sees and and just from observing her right as well yeah it's sort of like oh she she is different or even oh she you know in some aspects she's still kind and wonderful and yeah. All that stuff. So even though he's still a little bitter, he he can't but no help but notice. Right. He still her good qualities notices as well. her. Yeah. So even with his comments being so hurtful, and Anne feels every one of them. Right. And she probably feels like she deserves them. She does because she knows what she knows what happened. Yeah. She was like, yeah, I was weak. I and let other people persuade I, yeah. me. So, yeah, and it stings, but yeah, she takes it. Blow in her deserved, side. sir. Yeah. <laughs> And she also has no illusions. She has absolutely no thought or hope that he yeah. would ever renew his feelings for her. Right. Right. At this point. Yeah. She's like, it's... Right. And I'm not saying that she should feel terrible. You know, we all make mistakes or, or whatever, but... That's just how the human mind works. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. But of course, like, because now he's in looking for a wife and we have two eligible bachelorettes in mm-hmm. the party, he and Anne are forced into company quite often, like we said, so... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that going on. But yeah, other than politeness, they do not speak to each other. Right. They're just their little messages carried across the room. That's right. Via conversation with others. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But then they, you know, in the evenings, they, when, because, like we said, they're all just hanging out all the time. Yeah, basically. At each other's <laughs> homes. It's just a standing invitation of just, like, we're all hanging out. We're all, what else are we going to do? Yeah. So they're having dancing activities, but Anne prefers to be the one playing the piano for the group rather than dancing for herself. And, uh, you know, Wentworth appears to be enjoying all the attention that he's getting from Louisa and Henrietta, which, you know, if you're an eligible man and you have two pretty girls kind of fawning Fawning. over you, it probably makes you feel kind of good. Of course. Uh, But, yeah, Anne notes the pain his cold politeness causes her, which is sad. It is sad. You know, it's like simultaneously she's like, ouch, that hurts. And that's like, yeah, I deserve it. Mm-hmm. Poor Anne. I know. It's like, no, you don't. You, you don't. You deserve better, Anne. You, you didn't hurt him on purpose. You were foolish and young. You don't deserve to be treated like poop. Yeah. Ugh. I was trying to think of a Leslie Nope, what she call, describes Anne as. <laughs> uh, all the different things that yes. she, but now I can't even... Think of one. I must look one up. Anne, you tricky minx. (laughs) (laughs) Even though Anne in Parks and Rec is nothing like Anne Elliot. No, she's not. A beautiful tropical fish. Ah, beautiful tropical fish. Most beautiful glowing sun goddess. (laughs) You precious newborn baby. (laughs) (laughs) The smartest, most accomplished woman. Well, that describes Anne Elliot. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Any hoozle. I love my favorite. You opalescent tree shark. (laughs) (laughs) That's the good one. Opalescent tree shark. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. It's the best compliment ever. Uh, Ned, you're an opalescent tree shark. I think you're also an opalescent tree shark. Thanks, buddy. Um, So we're just like, you know, in the weeks spent at Uppercross. Hanging out. Hanging out. Soon returns our guy Charles hater. And this is this is when he's like, listen, this sucks. Yeah. Because that dude is cool. Henrietta clearly is smitten. I kind of thought she was, you know, into me, but... Turns out, nah. Right. Clearly so, I've been not around too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he just kind of, like, stops coming around. Yeah. He's like, mm, see ya. Yeah. I'm not going to compete for this. He respectfully bows yeah, out. He does. He doesn't, so, you know, have a tantrum or anything. He's mm-hmm. just like, I withdraw my name from the running. <laughs> That's right. And at this point, everyone is kind of just like, is which one of these two is Wentworth going to pick to be his wife? Is it going to be Henrietta? Is it going to be Louisa? Right. Because so. kind of if it's not Henrietta, then you don't want Henrietta. They don't want Henrietta ruining her chances with, you know, <laughs> another right. eligible suitor. Exactly. Yeah. So everyone's kind of like, which one, which one? And Anne's just like, fuck. <laughs> Anne doesn't think that he's in love with either of them, though. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, even though it's been a long time, she knows him well enough mm-hmm. to know he's not in love with either one. But him being in love with them doesn't necessarily preclude him picking one of them for his wife. Agreed. So we've seen that time and again. I mean, Mary and Charles. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were in love. They don't seem to be in love now. And they be married. Yes, they be. So, but Anne is very attentive to Wentworth's interactions with both of the Miss Musgroves. Mm -hmm. She's a very observant, very empathetic person. So I feel like she feels and can tell other people. She can read other people very well. Yeah, she definitely can read people. And she's just like, oh. Doesn't seem like he's in love with either one. Mm-hmm. So you know, we'll we'll see how this plays out. I guess. Right. And then we have a morning, the morning of the long walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. I thought this 
this section of the book is really interesting. I kind of enjoyed all the different character revelations and interactions. And yeah, God, Mary. <laughs> Ugh, she she was the Mary at her very worst here. Do you think that I can't walk long? Oh, but I can't walk long. I'm too tired. You know, she's just... Mm. Shut up. Shut <laughs> up, Mary. But yeah, Henrietta and Louisa, you know, arrive at the cottage and they say that they're going to go for a long walk. Their intention is for Anne to come and Mary to stay. But of course, Mary insists on going because... She cannot be left out. She is the definition of FOMO. Totally. <laughs> Nothing grates her more than missing out yes. on something. Another thing that Jane Austen created. FOMO. <laughs> she is the mother. Yes. <laughs> in, Ma- in her creation of Mary. <laughs> so, but on the walk, Louisa walks with Wentworth and she seems to be flirting with him mm-hmm. and Anne's trying to keep uh, a distance. Yeah. I, I can imagine, like, that's got to be so awful because, like, there's got to be a curiosity of, like, what they're saying, but then also, like, the heart-wrenching, like, oh, I don't want to know what they're saying. Yeah. I think it makes me think of a quote from the iconic television show, 90210, mm. Sir Jason Priestley. <laughs> uh, he said, the only thing worse than not knowing the truth is knowing the truth. Mm. Oh, that's so true. So, I was going to say, true <laughs> words have never been spoken, sir. Uh, Jason Priestley got here with that knowledge. Yep. Or, or at least the writer who yeah, wrote for that character. Wrote his lines. <laughs> Kudos to you, sir or madam or whoever wrote yeah. said script. <laughs> that was clearly, I watched a lot of 90210 when I was in my youth because it was my mom and my Aunt Sarah's favorite show. Yeah. So I was like an infant watching 90210. <laughs> and that that specific line has stuck with me for my whole life. I've never gone back and rewatched it either. It's in it's my adult. Very profound quote. It is from a I, teenager, no less. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so for weird. a twenty-something-year-old man playing, playing a teenager, teenager. <laughs> right? Yeah, but um, it's yeah. very strange that I've never gone back and rewatched it, and I still remember that yeah. quote. Yeah, I don't know. I like that. That stuck with you. Meh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But it is so true. Yeah. It's like the people who, like, go through their partner's phones looking for something. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's worse than not knowing the truth? Yeah. Nothing, except knowing the truth. Right. Because then it confirms your fears. Right. I was going to say, if those truths confirm your fears. Yeah. If they don't, but then you're revealing a truth about yourself that you don't trust that person, and that's a hard truth, too. And I often find that if you've gotten to the point where you are looking through your partner's phone... There is something there to be found. Right. You kind of already know. Yeah. True. Yeah. Or there's something in you that you need to maybe grapple with. Why is there so much mistrust? Is it their behavior or is it an insecurity in yourself? Or is it your behavior? What are you doing that makes you suspicious of them? Because generally you also find that the guilty will... uh, be the most point the finger and to be suspicious of other people that's right so (laughs) that is right but yes i i think what yeah all good points Uh, this is this is our therapy i suppose yeah yeah life and love are just so complicated uh the complex (laughs) (sighs) uh on the walk yes so louisa here is she's being a little manipulative of this situation which I did not think about until reading it through this time. I, because my question was, did they, did her and Henrietta plan for this, like, together? Or was this something that Louisa sort of crafted? 
Louisa encouraged Henrietta in this endeavor. So short of the long, Mm -hmm. this long walk gets them to Winthrop, which is the home of Charles Hayter. Right. And so then Charles Musgrove and Henrietta go in to visit them. And it reconnects Henrietta with Charles Hayter. Right. So Louisa has talked Henrietta into this visit. It's sort of like, look, you already sort of have a suitor, so you should really go with that sure thing while I take the risk for this hottie my cot hot over here. Right. So (laughs) we are not privy to how Louisa persuaded Henrietta to call on the haters, Mm -hmm. but she has. Yeah. See, and yeah, that was something I wasn't fully clear on. I was like, was this both their ideas or was this just Louisa? (laughs) Louisa... And I think, I mean, obviously, it, it it's good for Henrietta. Yes, it is. And I think as a as the reader, I fully at this point thought that Wentworth leaned more towards Louisa anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. So because of the conversations that they yeah, would have, yeah. they just have a lot more one on one conversations that we get to witness. Right. And she's a little more, um, I don't know, bubbly and yeah. seemingly adventurous. And, yeah. You know, more outspoken. Henrietta mm-hmm. is a little more reserved. Right. So. So it does make sense. And yeah. part of it, obviously, Louisa and Henrietta are very close. So right. part of Louisa's intentions are probably good. Yes. And she wants Henrietta to not ruin a good thing that she had going. Right. But there could be a little selfishness in there. There's also an element of getting her out of the way. Right. So she's the only one. Yes. I agree. (laughs) Just a little, there's some persuasion. Right. They never see Anne as a threat. Never. And if they do, we don't see that. And no one, like we said, there's not any catty behavior except from from the eldest and youngest Elliot because they're they're them. (laughs) Because they're them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, I didn't, had never thought of that before I read yeah. it this time. I was like, ooh, Louisa. Yeah, you pointed that out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So even a book you have read many times will reveal new things every time you read it. Indeed it will. So when people ask me, why do you reread books? You already know what happens. Yeah. Well, first of all, you rewatch movies. Mm-hmm. You already know what happens in that. It's the same. Same thing in movies. I Things jump out at me yeah. that I didn't or don't, you know, notice right. the first time around, so. You can't pick up everything every time. No. So. It just deepens the understanding. Exactly. I took an entire course on Jane Austen. I didn't realize her manipulation until this read. Yeah. So. Look at all those little layers Jane just she is. snuck in there. She Jane, anyone who says that Jane Austen is not worth reading can suck it, quite frankly. They're just missing out. They're just not reading it right. And don't read it trying to understand every single sentence. Like, it might be in a vernacular that you're not familiar with. Just just read and it, like, it sounds weird, but just, like, just read and the understanding will come to you. Even yeah. if it's, like I said, in a way that you don't fully normally speak. So it seems kind of strange and it doesn't, if you just read the words individually, it's like not fully making sense. If you just let yourself get lost in it, Mm -hmm. understanding will come. (laughs) And it's like reading any fan, like fantasy book. You have, most high fantasy is a world that you, that doesn't exist. You've never experienced the vernacular that they have. The terms that they use are all made up. So you have to get into that as well. It's just a rhythm. You just have to sit in it for a while. Yep. And then once you're in it, you're just, there you are. Yep. It's smooth and easy. Yeah. After that, you just got to get yourself. 
mm-hmm. going. Give yeah. it a chance. Give it a chance. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to try a classic because they think that the language is going to be too, uh, like, pretentious or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, like, read well. They're not going to be able to get into the story because they're worried about the language and right. understanding it. But Jane Austen is the perfect intro. Yeah. Because it is very simply written. It is. It's and I, I still have a little bit of trouble. I'll admit that, you know, with certain, like... And usually it's in the beginning when we're meeting all the people and kind of like getting certain bits of information. Sometimes I get a little too hung up and trying to understand everything all at once. And I just have to remind myself to just read the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not perfect to me either, and I, but I still absolutely love it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do with that information what you will. Try it out. Try it out. Okay, so we have gone to Winthrop. We've reconnected with Charles Hayter on this walk. We hear conversations with Louisa and Wentworth uh, about firmness of character, and mm. that's the running theme with him, which we've kind of already touched on. Right. Very pointed comments. Yes. Um, and, of course, Louisa's like, oh, I, I don't remember if it's this talk or if it's li- earlier on or whatever. It's just like, oh, I would love to be with my husband on the sea. I would just think that yeah. would be wonderful. You I know? would never be separated. Yeah. 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 And... <laughs> After after so many comments from Wentworth about, like, firmness of character and being mm. decisive, we noticed Louisa reinforcing that, that she that is, is her. decisive, like yes. She's firm. She is not persuadable. Right. And we kind of see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But what's interesting is she also tells Wentworth at this time that Charles Musgrove had wanted to marry Anne originally, mm-hmm. and she had refused him. And Wentworth is very interested to hear this he sure is hmm. mm-hmm. i see what's going on here yeah frederick because then his brain goes oh well why but i do think it's funny she's like yes well admittedly we do like Anne quite a bit more and she was supposed to be our sister-in-law yeah yeah but yeah i i that i think is the spark of hope for him i then, think so because then he's like well, why would she turn down someone like Charles, who would have been the ideal candidate mm-hmm. that she was persuaded to seek instead? So right. why then would she have turned him down? Yeah, because Charles is from a wealthy family. He's the heir right. to Uppercross. Right. Uh, it's close to Kellynch. Yeah. And as far as social rank, in that area, the only family they are second to is the Elliots. Right. So, so in the back of his mind, he's definitely like, well, I thought she broke it off with me to be with someone like that. But then someone like that came along and she told him no. So mm. is it because of her feelings for me? Yeah. Yeah. You, Maybe. <laughs> there's definitely like he's remembering this for yes, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like that. It was just like, he. yeah. Yeah. How he would. I, I, I liked that spark of like. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And at this point on is when Wentworth makes fewer and fewer comments that seem pointed at Anne's defects. Yes. yes. He's kinder to her, even if it's not like directly just mm-hmm. in company. He's yeah. not as abrasive. Yeah. So Or harsher or whatever. Yeah. So. Intrigue. Yes. But yeah. So when Charles and Henrietta return to the group... Charles is with them and he's, you know, he's basically going to be with them from now on because the signals to the group that Henrietta is with Charles. So leaving Wentworth to be for Louisa. Yeah. 
So uh, amidst their walk on the way back, they actually pass the Crofts that are in their carriage and Wentworth, thinking Anne might be tired, arranges for her to be taken home by the Crofts, which is very sweet of him, mm-hmm. very thoughtful. Yep. Mm-hmm. His switch turns rather quickly. That is a quick flip there. That shows you what a little spark of hope will do for you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cuts right through that resentment. Right. You could you could read that as him trying to get her like away so that everyone else, you know, so she's not the odd one out. Mm-hmm. But it definitely wasn't that. I no, truly no, no. think that yeah. he was trying to make her comfortable. And she even thinks while she's in the carriage with them that it was how, like, thoughtful it was of him to consider that. Yes. So, yeah, it's definitely thinking of her care and not trying to get her away. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Okay, Wentworth. You're coming back up in my esteem a smidge. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So. A lot can happen to your heart when it feels like it's been scorned, you know? Yeah. But. Like I said, heal or hope is uh, quite a healing thing, apparently. It is. It is quite the tonic. So Anne, her time at Uppercross is swiftly coming to an end because she is going to stay with Lady Russell for a time and they are both going to go to Bath together. Mm-hmm. But Wentworth proposes a trip to Lyme, which is like a town by the sea, to visit some friends of his, Captain and Mrs. Harville and Captain Bennick. They're friends of his from the Navy. So this is going to be the Musgroves. Well, not Mr. and Mrs., but the young, the youngins. Yeah. Yeah. Charles, Charles, Mary, Mary, Louisa, Henrietta, Wentworth, and Anne are all going to hop on over to Lyme. So this is where things get interesting. I know. I was like, this is, it was uh, kind of a, I was like, what a, it turned into a thriller there for a few minutes. I know. (laughs) So many things happen in this little section right here mm-hmm. is quite intense. Yeah, it is. Honestly. Intense is the right word for it. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so we arrive in Lyme. The Harvilles are very nice. Is it Benick or Benwick? I think it's Benick. Okay. Because <laughs> of course how it's spelled, you would think. I know. So my brain. So I just wanted to make sure. But yeah. And Benick is, he's quiet and reserved. You know, he's... Just there with his friends, but, mm-hmm. you know, there. I think there's a sadness about him, yeah. you know, he's he lost his love that yeah. never really got to fully be with, you know, because mm-hmm. she died during their engagement. But, a- again, as a reminder, he was engaged to uh, Captain Harville's sister, Fanny. I, do we know what she passed away from? Mm-mm. But, yeah, so he's grieving her loss and, you know, he uses poetry for comfort. So that's his, like, main reading outlet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, him and him and Anne actually start kind of talking about reading and they bond over it. And she actually recommends that he read some prose and uh, they just kind of like make a nice little connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get along well. And I think their temperaments are pretty evenly matched. Yes. Like she's also reserved. She also is uh, quite well, well read. Yeah. So they seem very like evenly matched. Yeah. I, I thought immediately I was like... They would be, if both of them were, like, being forced into finding a mate, they would be a a decent match. Yeah. But I also, just for some reason, the way he was described, I don't know, maybe it was his sadness, and I just kind of thought of a character that was, like, the opposite of that. I just thought, but I was just like, he's meant for someone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, instantly. And I don't know... Why my brain said that, but it did. Yeah, I also think that you know this is 
kind of supposed to be a bit of a misdirection, right? Right. Her, like, having a connection with him. And, yes. But we know that her and Wentworth. And maybe that's is, why, too. Uh, like, it's like. You just kind of begin the story knowing that. Right. That That's the only right conclusion. Yes. Yes. But then again, I kind of thought, I was like, well, maybe Jane's going to take me on a detour and she's going to convince me that this is right instead. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But, but yeah, I figured not, but yeah, so, and maybe that, maybe that's probably exactly why, but mm-hmm. yeah, my brain was just like, I like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You seem not, nice, but not, not for Anne. Not it. <laughs> this isn't it. Yes. Yeah. So one morning while in Lyme, the group is out for a seaside stroll and how I envision this is like kind of a wall Mm-hmm. Of the city, and then there are steps down onto the beach. Yes, that's how I pictured it, too. So they're going, Anne and Co. are walking up some steps, and there is a gentleman at the top of the steps. And he stops to let them all pass, as you would in polite society. Mm-hmm. And he looks quite appreciatively at Anne. Mm-hmm. And Wentworth notices. He gives her what we modern folk call a double take. He indeed does. <laughs> And then Wentworth sees this and also gives Anne a double take. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm. She's looking a bit more favorably than well, when then. I first saw her recently. <laughs> Anne is quite blooming. Yes. Yes. Her bloom has returned. Yes. Dear reader. <laughs> and we know that this is maybe making Wentworth a tad bit jealous that some other man is looking at his Anne. Mm-hmm. Well, Wentworth, if you weren't acting like such a little bitch for <laughs> several chapters, then maybe you wouldn't need to be jealous. Perhaps if you just pulled up your pants and went over and talked to the woman. Yeah. You could avoid all this inner turmoil. Yep. And same to Anne. But same to Anne. She's being less salty than him, so yeah. I'm salty towards him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we're back at the inn, and they find out that this gentleman is none other than Mr. William Walter Elliot, heir to Kellynch Hall. What? What? <laughs> now, he also does not know who Anne is. Right. He, it's so, almost like his brain goes, I should know who that is. Right. But I am not certain. Yeah. So he doesn't actually know that that is his cousin. And right. she obviously doesn't find out until they're back at the inn, and he's already leaving. Right, right. So. Because I imagine they haven't seen each other for a long time if he was sort of intended for Elizabeth mm-hmm. but never really right. came around, like, at all the invitations and stuff. So their mm-hmm. interactions were probably fairly brief. If Right. If any. If any. So, so, yeah. Yep. But that afternoon, everyone, you know, including the Harvels and, and Benick, they all take a walk. You know, we like to take walks. We're, yeah. we're a healthy little exercise bunch. Yeah. But um, Captain Harville actually thanks Anne for her kindness to Benick and helping break him out of his grief, which is nice. That is very nice. But, uh, yeah. So we we get to more stairs. (laughs) And Louisa insists on jumping from the top of the stairs and being caught by Wentworth, which seems kind of strange to me, but... I'm going with it. I thought it was odd. I just was like, what wild hair did yeah. she, she just had a, a youthful moment, I suppose. Yeah. I was like, catch me. And I do think that it is a little bit of her still kind of performing for Wentworth. Yes. See how adventurous I am? How spontaneous exactly. I can be? Exactly. Yeah. And so she, she ju- 
does the first jump and he catches her and everyone's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. it's great. <laughs> and then she goes up to do it again and doesn't give him enough time and jumps before he's ready and she falls and hits her head. Yes. And it is now unconscious. Horrifying. Yeah. Wh- back in this time? Yes. Like having a head injury? Right. We thought the collarbone was bad. Your brain? A full head injury? No. Everyone is basically like, she's dying. Yeah. I think that they literally say, she's dead. Yeah, basically. Or at least one person, they're just like, she's dead. There's no hope. Yeah. (laughs) All of them are like preparing for her death at this point. Yeah. Like half of them are like, oh God, we just, she's dead. I'm staring at a dead body. And the other half are like, go get a doctor. Let's carry her back and get a doctor to look at her and check her out. Because even me, I was like, is she, is she still alive? Like half of half of this crew is acting like she's already dead. Yeah. Is there any hope at all? It's like utter chaos (laughs) at this point. Mary and Henrietta are freaking out. They're like screaming. Yes. And the men obviously have no fucking clue what to do. And Anne's like, hey, stop. Right. Cool collected Anne is like, listen. You go get the doctor. You carry her. Let's go. Let's, (laughs) Let's stop with the shenanigans. Doesn't even like does she kind of like scold Mary for being hysterical? I think she does, yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh. So Bennick goes to get the doctor, Wentworth carries Louisa to he's going to carry her to the inn, but then the Harvilles are like, no, 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 take her to our house. Yeah. So the doctor meets them at the Harvilles. Yeah. And you know, so the doctor takes a look at her and she has suffered a severe head injury. But hope is not lost. So unlike everyone thought, she's not dead. She is alive. She's alive. She's just unconscious. I would imagine she's kind of in a bit of a coma. Potentially, yeah. Like a, yeah, short coma. But they believe she's likely to recover. It's just going to take some time. Mm -hmm. So the Harvilles actually offer their home for as long as Louisa needs it, which is very kind of them. Mm -hmm. But... Her parents definitely need to be notified because you can't just, like, show back up home. You know, all of you are hanging out constantly. And then it's just, oh, by the way, uh, Louisa can come (laughs) with us. How come? Oh, you know, she just banged her head and is unconscious, staying at someone else's house. You know. It's fine. The huge. No worries. (laughs) You know how Louisa is. (laughs) (laughs) Severe neurological damage. No big deal. Right. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Wild. But at this, so at this point, it is decided that Henrietta, Mary, and Wentworth should go back to Upper Cross and tell the Musgroves. But then, and Wentworth praises Anne and her capabilities to care for Louisa, but Mary is like, no, I'm her sister-in-law. Why would she want Anne? I need to stay with her. Right. So... Mary, <laughs> even though obviously Anne is the most equipped and Anne right. is the most selfless right. and like we said, caring and empathetic. Mary, what are you going to do for her other than fuss and say that everyone needs to pay attention to you instead? Yeah. But actually, doesn't she do a fairly decent job caring for Louisa? I think, well, I think as much as she could, yeah. Right. I, but I just figured it would be a disaster. Yeah. I, was like, I think She's going to lay around and be like, no, I'm ill. No, I need help. Yeah. I think she does fairly okay. I think Mrs. Harville... She does better takes, than expected. <laughs> right. I think Mrs. Harville is actually caring for Louisa, and yeah. Mary is simply present. Right. But not... 
at least not making it about herself as much as right. would have thought. I mean, at least she has the status of saying, like, well, I helped nurse her back to health. Right. I think that's her whole, mm-hmm. That's what she wants. Right. That's the scheme. But. Yes. So. Mary. Yeah. So Anne goes back to Upper Cross with Henrietta and Wentworth. Yeah. And uh, so we're on the way back to tell the elder Musgroves <laughs> yeah. what what occurred. And Wentworth actually expresses his guilt over Louisa's injury and asks Anne's advice for telling the Musgroves. She feels actually very grateful that he values her opinion. You know, she's kind of obviously noticing this change, softer change from him. But when they arrive, he breaks the news and and then he heads back to Lyme. So Mm -hmm. he kind of is like, hey, this is what happened. I got to get back up there. Mm -hmm. Because now for all intents and purposes, you know. He's beholden to her. Yeah. That's like, that's what everyone just kind of assumes now. Right. There was no proposal yet. Right. But it's sort of like, oh, well, Henrietta's out of the running. So obviously. Yeah. Louisa and Wentworth are, this is a done deal now. Yeah. To everyone else. Uh, to everyone else. And but even. Louisa and. and <laughs> yeah. And, and even Frederick. Wentworth is like, you know, at this point, he's kind of thinking through his actions mm-hmm. and his attentions to Louisa, and then in this accident, he wouldn't be an honorable person if he just abandoned her at this point. So now he feels like he has to, if she will have him, now he has to marry her. He's obligated to Mm -hmm. basically finish what he started. Exactly. I mean, you reap what you sow, bud. Yep. So. And it's a bit of the society expectations, but yes, he definitely put himself in that, that situation, too. So, yeah. And this is when Anne leaves the Musgrove party Mm -hmm. and goes to stay with Lady Russell. Yep. So, but Lady Russell even notices that Anne is looking healthier and like her old self. She is. And Anne is pleased to hear this. You know, who isn't, who isn't happy to hear like, you're looking good, girl. Yeah, everyone (laughs) wants to hear that. But um, Anne also tells Lady Russell of Wentworth's apparent attachment to Louisa. So Mm -hmm. I think Lady Russell is still sort of, I mean, she's still hung up on rank and thinks who should be with who Mm -hmm. and and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know that she thinks that Anne is even still interested. Because if I were Anne, I wouldn't tell Lady Russell. Yeah. Jack squad of my feelings. Yeah, no, I don't think Lady Russell has any ideas that Anne has intention of, like, being with Wentworth at all. If anything, she's saying it just to, like, make Lady Russell not even bring it up. She's like, oh, P.S. Just so you know. Wentworth is with Louisa, so. Right. Don't even ask me. Don't even bring it up. <laughs> so while they're while Anne and Lady Russell are at Kellynch Lodge before they head to Bath, they visit the Crofts again. And the Crofts mention that Wentworth told them complimentary things about Anne's aid to the Musgroves. Mm-hmm. So now he's talking about her to his sister and brother-in-law. Unprompted, probably. Unprompted. She's not even present. Mm-hmm. So he's out here talking about Anne in the streets. <laughs> And she's obviously pleased to hear this. Right. And they also tell her that they will be leaving to go to the country for a time and then to Bath. Right. They're coming to Bath, too. So everyone's going to Bath. We all just got to follow and hang out with each other. I know. Side note, I've been to Bath. Really? Yes. When we went to England, um, we did a day trip to Bath. Is it worth the hype? (laughs) I thought it was lovely. Oh, cool. All the little shops and it was just... We did go in and see the actual baths, the Roman baths. It was like whatever. For which it is named, For I which assume. it is named, yes. 
they're just basically like little square pools, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But I don't know. It was really like a cute little town that you would think of that's in Europe, right? Awesome. Like the little cobbled streets and yeah. stores. Lovely. Oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. That's funny that the, I thought it was funny to me that the Crofts are renting Killinch Hall, but they're like, oh, we're going to take a trip up to Bath. Yeah. They just. <laughs> Bath is where it's at. Renting properties. Left and right. yawn. Yeah. <laughs> They got that C money. Yes, yeah. <laughs> C money. And they have children too, right? The Crofts? Yeah. No. No, okay. Mm-mm. It's like people with children, it's just sort of like vaguely mentioned, but everyone's sort of, you know, socially engaging as if they don't, don't. really have kids. Yeah, like the Harvilles <laughs> do have kids. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, and the Harvilles kids go and stay at Upper Cross while Louisa is... At Lyme. Mm. So, and that's when Mary makes the comment, uh, how can Mrs. Harville be separated from her kids for so long? Right. <laughs> but Mary, then she, come on. But then she's also like, but I want to be separated from my children. I should yeah. be allowed to do that. Mary, stop. <laughs> Freaking hypocrites. She's a mess. Yeah. So, yeah, Charles and Mary arrive back to Uppercross from Lyme. They visit Anne and Letty Russell. Louisa is improving. And that Benick talks really highly of Anne. And Charles actually believes that Benick has uh, an interest in Anne. And mm-hmm. Mary's like, nah. Yeah, Mary probably Mary's thinks, who could possibly be interested in Anne? Actually, I think that there's three gentlemen interested in Anne at actually, this very moment. She is a hot commodity, yeah. Mary. Bennett, William, Fred. Where? They're all, they all see what Anne has going for. Right. They're all noticing. They know. Miss Anne. She's a catch. Yeah. Freaking Mary. Step off, Mary. Like I said, the woman has everything. She's got a husband of like well-respected level in society. She has sons. Two sons. Sons, plural, you know, probably not having any concerns of of money whatsoever none live in the proverbial dream as it were and still finds things to complain about yep it'd be one thing if she was truly dissatisfied but she's just dissatisfied for dissatisfaction's sake yeah for attention yeah she's just unsatisfiable she's just a straight up rip that's right so shut it freaking mary can suck it too (laughs) you jerk bag I saw this video of this woman yelling at people, calling them bird names for insults. <laughs> and I just, it was literally the one of the best things I've seen in, in recent days. She's just like, get out of my way, you blue-footed booby! <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, this is going to have to happen. I love it. I like, well, Dakota likes calling people jagweeds <laughs> because of Mona Lisa from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Yes. She's like, the jagweeds. Yes. That's so, so funny. funny. So I also like to call people jagweeds. But yes. I don't I don't remember that as much. Right. I know. Dakota the good, does. good ones don't come to mind as mm-hmm. often as, like, the less inspiring. But. Yeah. Like, suck it. Yeah. That's uh, from The Office. <laughs> Everyone, I've just invited Jim to suck it. Which, we, we've been watching a lot of wrestling things, and there is, like, a just, like, look backs at different factions and wrestlers, and there was a group called DX, and it 
totally sparked my brain because yeah, everyone when I was a kid, we told all of us collectively, we're just telling people to suck it all the time. Yeah. We didn't know what it meant. No. But yeah, there was this group, they were called DX and they, they were just like, get ready to suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Did like the crotch, you know, like cross or whatever. We're all like smacking our crotches with our little hands saying, suck it. And we had no idea what we were. That's so funny. What we were doing. But suck it is a tried and true. It's a fun one to say. You know. <laughs> it's a fun one to say. Listen, suck it. I mean, no one needs to make it dirty. No, no one needs to make it dirty. Just whatever it is, just suck it. My go-to, care. my go-to is always kiss a butt. Not mm-hmm. my butt. Please right. no. I made that mistake once, told the guy to kiss my butt, and he chased me for a literal 15-minute spin around the classroom. Oh, no. So never again. <laughs> Oh, no. So it's kiss a butt, any butt, but mine. Yeah. Just kiss a butt. <laughs> right. Like any woman except Ann Elliot. Right. <laughs> so to Mary, I say kiss a butt and like the dodo, disappear. Yeah. See? That's right. <laughs> and maybe suck it. <laughs> suck it. Uh, yes. Now we are finally going to bath. We've been talking about Bath for a long time, and we right. are finally on our way. Anne and Mrs. Over. Russell, Lady Russell, we're going to Bath. Yes. Anne has a letter from Elizabeth that Mr. William Elliot is in Bath and been forgiven for previous transgressions. Mm-hmm. So Lady Russell and Anne are on their way. Yeah. And the, it's funny to me, the transgression is, like, declining their invitations. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Years ago. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Invitations are very serious at I know. this time. Yes. It was an unwritten rule that he was meant to be with right. with Elizabeth and he declined to do so. Yeah. All these unwritten rules, I tell you. I'm saying. But goodness gracious. Anne finally arrives in Bath and she's greeted by her father and sister and much it's a little bit more warmer than she was expecting. Yeah. Probably warmer than I was expecting as well. I agree. <laughs> but they're just in such good moods and just thrilled to be in Bath. I think they were a little upset about leaving Kellynch, even with the status of the Crofts. But mm-hmm. being in Bath and, and all the, you know, social engagements and the things yeah. that they get to do just suit them so well. It really does. And uh, they, sh- you know, so they show and the house and all the rooms and all the space, you know, because... Again, you couldn't afford Kellynch Hall, but you can afford a pretty lavish place in Bath. So I think Mm -hmm. you're doing okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think you're fine. But yes, they're just so pleased as punch that William, Mr. Elliot, has visited them often. Yeah. And I think multiple times at this point. (laughs) Yeah. He, in fact, arrives at this very point Mm -hmm. and is pleased to see that Anne is the woman he was taken with in Lyme. Of course, Anne had discovered this before, but right. he did not. So right. he is now like, hmm. I was almost like, did he start coming around because he saw Anne? But yeah, he didn't realize it was Anne until now. Mm-hmm. So, And he is very pleased that it is, in fact, Anne. And his interest in her becomes clear. to uh, Definitely to the reader. I don't know about, well, it's clear to Lady Russell also. Right. Not but to Elizabeth, but... No, Elizabeth thinks that she is the object of his uh, desires. I'm pretty sure she thinks she's the object of most people's desires. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Which begs the question, why is she 29 and unmarried? Right. But with all time? this confidence... Yeah. She, 
I kind of wondered, I was like, where did all of this confidence come from? I mean, I guess just being so pretty. She's, she's just not worried about it. She's just like... She's so unworried. A guy will come along. Which is so... It'll be fine. ...strange because Charlotte in Pride and Prejudice, she's like, I'm 27. I'm burdened to my parents. I could not think of anyone but Charlotte in a lot of these moments. I know. Especially compared to Elizabeth. I was like, Elizabeth is living life worry-free. Worry-free. And Charlotte was just like, dear God, I'm an old woman full of dust. Yeah, and Elizabeth... I'm a burden. And Elizabeth is 29. (laughs) Yeah. That's almost 30. I mean, that is spinster territory at this time. How dare she be so disgustingly close to 30 and still single? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's probably what everyone around them is thinking. Oh, got to. Hands down. (laughs) So, yeah. And, of course, Mrs. Clay is still around. (laughs) Yep. And uh, so Anne's still worried that she's after her dad. Yeah. And again, I have to say, I guess I shouldn't be trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be judgy because I know there are couples out there that are that far apart in age. But for me personally, that's a no thank you. I agree. <laughs> no thank you. Yeah. But uh, Mr. Elliot, not Sir Elliot. No. <laughs> Mr. Elliot is William. He agrees with Anne on the point and uh, he vows to do whatever in his power he can to keep Miss Clay away from uh, or Mrs. Clay she, although she is single, she is a widow, so she's a Mrs. Clay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to do whatever he can to keep her away from Sir Walter. Mm-hmm. What a benevolent man. Well, it's not self-serving in the least. <laughs> no, not at all. And not now all. we get to hear endlessly about the noble relatives of the Elliots, Lady Dalrymple and Miss Carteret. They arrive in Bath, and the Elliots are swift to renew their ties and acquaintance Mm -hmm. and Anne finds them to be really boring as do i i agree couldn't give a hoot less about them nope no cares (laughs) yep so they're so boring we don't even care and Anne is going to go visit an old school friend of hers mrs smith not old as in old woman just of a friend of old yes (laughs) (laughs) unlike what i thought as i said earlier while reading (laughs) yeah So she unfortunately is chronically ill, and as I said, widowed. Her late husband was actually quite rich when they'd married, but his spending was excessive, and he left her poor upon his death. Yep. Which, very sad. Very sad. Made some bad decisions, and unfortunately left her without the ability to truly care for herself properly. Yep. As we said, she's not, like, in the streets, but she can't afford the health care that she needs. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, the manner of living that she had been accustomed to. Yeah, yeah. So. But her reconnecting with Mrs. Smith, Anne finds her in good spirits despite her bad situation, and Anne promises to visit her regularly. And Sir Walter does not like that Anne visits that part of town and is, uh, he's just, it's beneath her rank. So we, you know, we're still worried about that yeah. baloney. But thankfully, Anne ignores this. <laughs> yeah, she she visited, visits Miss Smith regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Mrs. Smith. I know. <laughs> like, <sighs> There's a Miss Smith in Emma, ah. another Jane Austen. Yes. Okay. So that's what I think of when mm-hmm. I read this, even though I know that this is Mrs. Smith and that's right. Miss Smith. Right. 
Jesus loves me. Like I said, we have a lot of single ladies out here, but they're all widowed, so they're all misses, but not currently misses. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So my brain wants to call them miss, because as per the rules of the society, I'm like, single young woman is a miss. Except for when she's widowed, then she still misses. Right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. So there is a dinner party that is being held at the Dalrymple's. And Anne is like, um, sorry, I have plans to visit Miss, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> and her family's kind of like, you're really going to go visit some invalid when our noble relations are having a party? That's crazy. These and, people suck. Yeah. And she's like, mm, don't care. So she goes to Mrs. Smith's and the dinner party goes on. And this gives Lady Russell a chance to talk with Mr. Elliot. And he praises Anne, and this convinces Lady Russell that his intention is to court Anne and mm -hmm. not Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And she's pleased by this, because I think, obviously, Mr. Elliot is, like, agreeable. He makes himself agreeable. He has good manners. Yeah. Very Wickham. I was going to say that. He gave me such Wickham vibes. Yeah, he's very Wickham. He didn't descend into Wickham behavior, at least in Not as much. Courage. Right. But past behavior. Very, yeah. So, but I think Lady Russell being, you know, finding Mr. Elliot, like, agreeable yes. is fine. But her main reasoning for wanting Anne to be with Mr. Elliot is because she wants Anne to take her mother's place as the Lady of Kellynch. Yeah. So I think she's, like, kind of blinded by that, like, dream yeah. of Anne being her mother. Yeah. As much as Lady Russell claims to love Anne... She's still so blinded by society and how mm -hmm. that all works that I don't think she really... I don't feel like she truly wants what... She doesn't want Anne to be happy with what Anne wants. Mm -hmm. She just... She wants Anne to... Do what's expected. Yes. And be... She wants Anne to be Lady Elliot of Kellynch yeah. Hall. That's yeah. the period. Yeah. And that's why at this point she's like, yes, Mr. Elliot isn't Anne. It's going to gonna work out she's mm -hmm. gonna be lady elliot it's gonna be great and of course it does make a point to say that Anne likes the idea of being lady elliot mm -hmm. but she also is suspicious of mr elliot's motives like yeah. why is he all of a sudden around right why is he all of a sudden wanting to reconnect with the family right. that he so like unceremoniously just like tossed off didn't care about right so she's not blind no. she sees that yes there's something else going on yes and Lady Russell does not see this. Mm -mm. So. No, because she's blinded by yeah. her societal victory. Yes. Assumed victory, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, basically. But uh, Mary writes a letter to Anne after this and lets her know that the Crofts are in Bath now and that Louisa is engaged, but engaged to Captain Benwick. Yeah. What? I'm sorry? I think at first, isn't it like, oh, she's engaged to a captain. Yeah, and Louisa so and the, her captain. Yes. So we get kind of like the little misdirect, but then we find out that said captain is Benick. Yep. So they fell in love while she was recovering at the Harvels, and Anne finds this information very pleasant. As you do. As you would. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So Anne, out walking in Bath, runs into the Crofts, obviously, and the Admiral is happy to see her. They walk. They talk of Benick and Louisa, and the Admiral will... Admirable. Admiral. 
he's probably admirable. He is. Um, expresses his surprise about their engagement because, uh, you know, for him and everyone else, they just assumed that it was a done deal with Wentworth and Louisa. Mm-hmm. But he does make an a point to say that Wentworth doesn't seem affected or upset by the engagement. Right. So. Which is good. Yeah. Anne's like, hmm. Interesting. Intriguing. Tell me more. Let's (laughs) hear some more. (laughs) And uh, soon after this, Wentworth himself arrives in Bath. So we've just, we've moved the party to Bath. Everyone, most, almost all of them are in Bath now. Yeah. Except the Musgroves. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. For now. Right. Because they come eventually, don't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, party yeah. in Bath. <laughs> so soon after, Wentworth himself arrives in Bath. As we said, party in Bath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Anne runs into him while out walking with Elizabeth and Mr. Elliot. And uh, at this time, it's raining and Lady Dalrymple comes in her carriage and offers to take the ladies the rest of the way. Elizabeth gets in, followed by Mrs. Clay, who is always around. Ugh. Um, but Wentworth offers his arm and umbrella to Anne, but Mr. Elliot is the one who leads her away. So mm. Wentworth's companions speculate that Mr. Elliot is courting Anne. Yes. It is like the rumor around Bath that basically Anne and Mr. Elliot are on the cusp of being engaged. Isn't it nuts that just rumors can engage you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. It's like, uh, excuse me? Yeah. And so now Anne is just, she's just tiring of all of these social engagements that she has to attend with her family. Because it's not like it was in the, you know, at, at the upper cross. Yeah. Like, this is more highfalutin yeah. society. They have to stand know? on ceremony. And, yeah. Yeah. It's not relaxed and walks and games and just, Fun. you know, interesting chit chat. Yeah. This is like duty. Yes. And she's over it. Mm-hmm. And she, it's also at this point, she knows that Wentworth is not engaged and he's in Bath and she want, she's wanting to run into him. Yeah. She doesn't want to seek him out. Obviously, that would be too forward. Right. But she wants to run into him, but all of the social events that she's going to, he is not at. Right. And so that is also probably tiring. But there is a concert to be held. For the, it, sa- it says it's for the benefit of a friend of Lady Dalrymple. I'm mm-hmm. not really sure what that means. Yeah. But she is sure that Wentworth will be in attendance here. Mm-hmm. So. So. Um, she is in- excited about the concert. Right. Exciting. Intrigue. Mm, intrigue. And Mrs. Smith is the first person who kind of gives a hint to Anne that there's some rumors about. Not what the rumor yeah. is, but in the before the concert, Anne is visiting with Mrs. Smith and Mrs. Smith makes the comment that she should likely soon stop visiting her so much. And Anne's like, mm, why? Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I guess of, she doesn't ask why. She's just like, that's an odd thing yeah, to say. Weird, but lets it go. Yeah. And then the night of the concert arrives, the Elliots all go, and Wentworth shows up, and Anne is obviously pleased to see that her father and Elizabeth actually acknowledged him instead mm-hmm. of, like, snubbing him. Right. Like hoity-toity jerks. Mm-hmm. So, but this is likely because they've heard that he is now very rich, so... Yeah. And he's, like, pretty fashionable in Bath. So it's, like, it's a victory, but at the same time it's not because it's, like, oh, they're recognizing him. Oh, only because he now finally meets their quote-unquote standards. Right. Boo. Exactly. (laughs) 
Oh. And this is when Anne has a chance to speak to Wentworth, and he compliments her calmness in Lyme and expresses good wishes for Louisa and Benick. Although he doesn't think that Louisa is in intellectual enough for Benick, um, and is surprised that he got over late Fanny Harville so quickly. Mm -hmm. I thought those were some interesting conversations, because isn't... Mr. Harville pretty upset that Benick sort of got over his sister fairly mm -hmm. quickly as well. Yeah, I think that plays into the conversation that Anne has later mm -hmm. with yes. Mr. Harville. Yes. Uh, or Captain Harville. And he mentions, I think he mentions it. Yeah. That they're they're happy that he's found someone to love, but yeah. it's soon. Yeah. I think it's funny that, because obviously Anne, you know, kind of steers him towards reading books, not just poetry and mm -hmm. stuff. But I think it's interesting that while Louisa was trying to be a good match for Frederick and saying how decisive she is and how adventurous she is, you know, she doesn't have that like intellectual level or mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, opposites attract, you know, maybe yeah. he's intellectual enough for the both of them. Maybe he charms her with his intellectualness and she charms him with her adventurous and outgoingness yeah. Yeah. yeah brings him makes him more lively and he makes her more grounded yeah exactly yeah. at least that's what i imagine i i agree uh, and i think that's kind of what Anne thinks as well yeah but i find it interesting that now that he's completely separated from louisa he sees her faults and is expressing them to Anne. yeah I think it's kind of, like, now that she's, like, engaged to his friend, mm -hmm. he's kind of like, is she good enough for my friend? <laughs> and I'm like, listen here, bud. Yeah. Weren't you just... Right. What was this about? Yeah. Okay. You were, you were going to scoop her up, so why don't you just... Yeah. Just be glad that your scoop is now empty. Right. Yeah. I think, honestly, he never had any intention of marrying either Henrietta or Louisa. No. Not deep down. No. I think that he was entertaining the prospect, but... I, I don't think he... If she had not injured herself, mm -hmm. I don't think he would have ever proposed to her. I think probably after Lyme, if they, when they all headed back and yeah. he needed to go, move on to his next thing, I think he probably would have... Just respectfully just backed Respectfully, off. yeah, disengaged himself. Yep, I agree. Because, like, Anne observed way in the beginning. He, he clearly didn't love either one of them. No. And no. so... And not that everyone always married for love, as we said, but right. Wentworth is a man looking for a true companion. Yeah. I think for all the things that he said while at the at Upper Cross, he does want to be married to someone he is in love with. Yes. Yeah. He wanted he he wanted what Admiral and his sister have. Yes. They're like in love, they're partners, they're really equally matched mm -hmm. like it's there's not like really a power struggle between them mm -hmm. it's not it's very clear that they have mutual respect for one another right. and that's what Wentworth wants yes yes and definitely. he would not get that with Louisa yep so um now the concert starts and Anne is unable to sit next to Wentworth which she's kind of like bummed about mm -hmm. but she does sit next to mr elliot which is even more of a bummer yeah um and he has her translate the program for him because she speaks italian she is smarty she is smart girl so he compliments her and flatters her and eventually mentions that he hopes her last name shall never change that was smooth sneaky sneaky yeah so she now knows his intentions. his intentions yeah. oh yeah his designs his designs her. on her <laughs> yes and she's <laughs> like ugh, okay 
And during intermission, she's like, I need to get close to Wentworth. Yeah. Like, she's unbothered by Mr. Elliot and his attention. Yep. And she gets to Wentworth and tries to speak with him, and they're interrupted Mm -hmm. by Mr. Elliot for more translations. Right. And she's... No one wants to talk to you right now. Yeah. William. And her politeness takes over. So she does go do the translations, but when she comes back, Wentworth is like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Because he, he sees what everyone else thinks is going on. Mm-hmm. Instead of asking. Yeah. He just assumes. Right. And, and he should know better, just like everyone assumed him and Louisa were engaged. He should know better. Yeah, he should. He just experienced this, but he, he did. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when he leaves, Anne realizes that he's jealous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Green's not a good color on you. Not at all. <laughs> and then, yeah, after the concert, the next morning, Anne goes to visit Mrs. Smith, and they discuss the concert, and Mrs. Smith is sort of asking Anne if Mr. Elliot has ever mentioned that he knows her. So there was a prior, not like romantic relationship, just... Acquaintance. Acquaintance, that's what I'm looking for, between Mrs. Smith and uh, Mr. Ellie. And she just wants to know if he's mentioned it to Anne. Mm. She believes that Anne is in love with Mr. Elliot, so she's trying to kind of feel it out. Yeah, tiptoe. See what kind of relationship her and Mr. Elliot have and what kind of favor she may yes. have with him. Mm-hmm. But Anne assures her that she does not love him and has no intention of marrying him. And this is when Mrs. Smith divulges her history with Mr. Elliot, which I found this a little frustrating mm-hmm. because, and we'll get to the truth in a minute, but at first she's like, oh, I'm, I'm so happy for you and Mr. Elliot and your pairing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, she was like complimenting it. Yeah. But then we find all this out and even Anne afterwards is like, then why the heck did you like pretend you were happy for me? Yeah. And she was like, well, I thought you were in love with him, but also... I kind of hoped you could curry favor for me. Yeah. So even her best of friends are, like, willing to let her... Be with this man? Knowing what we're about to tell you. It's yeah. just like, do we all just design for ourselves and not care for others at all? Yeah. The heck? It's pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't... That was not... That was not a good, uh, I didn't, I didn't care for that, Mrs. Smith. I also did not care for that. I was like, that was pretty crummy. Yeah. Best friend. I agree. Ugh. No. So we find out that Mr. Elliot was a friend of Mrs. Smith's late husband, and this was before Mr. Elliot's marriage to the, like, lower class rich woman. And the Smiths were far richer than him and would help him financially. And then, uh, once Mr. Elliot married the witch, the witch woman, (laughs) (laughs) when Mr. Elliot married the rich woman, obviously it was entirely for money instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, doing his duty by marrying Elizabeth for the Elliot baronetage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But once he was wealthy, he would then encourage Mr. Smith to live lavishly and spend above his means. And it almost seemed like he made him or encouraged him to invest his money Mm -hmm. unwisely. I think so. And uh, this completely ruined the Smiths. And, you know, he refused to aid them after this ruination. Like, granted, that was choices that Mr. Smith made. But still, it's like it was under his own influence. Mm -hmm. And they helped him when he was... Down and out. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he would not return the favor. 
And then upon Mr. Smith's death, Mr. Elliot was the executor of the will and refused to act on things that would help discharge the debts. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was so strange because it's like, it's not like he was benefiting. Right. Yeah. For not doing so. So he just basically took these friends that did right by him at -hmm. every turn and then turned around and was like, eh, I couldn't be bothered to help you. That's the vibe that I got. Like, it's just so yucky. It's It's so so weird. Because, yeah, there's nothing for him to gain by not helping her. Right. And it was some, like, piece of land that her husband had owned that... uh, some paperwork needed to be filed and yeah. she would like start getting income from it. Right. If if they sold this property, she would not be in the situation she's in, but because he won't help her, you know, she's still stuck in the situation where she's left with debts and mm-hmm. lives poorly and can't get the medical help she needs. Yeah, exactly. Simply out of like, I mean, this can't, even, I, this goes beyond disinterest or laziness. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you're actively keeping her from, yeah, a better life. Yeah. When they were good to you. What the actual heck? Yeah, it doesn't make any, like, sense. It just, yeah. I don't know. It just, it really obviously reveals his character. Obviously, yeah. Which, it's weird because then after this, it's we don't really get any picture that he is still this way or anything like mm-hmm. that, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, obviously it colors our opinion of him. Right. Whether he is this type of person now or not. Right. I mean, because he's still not helping her. Right. So. Yeah. And he's still clearly scheming for his own design. Right. But he wants Anne instead yeah. of Elizabeth. So. Right. So, yeah. Which really, it's like Elizabeth would have been the sure thing. Right. So. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I know. But after her own history, Mrs. Smith then tells Anne about Mr. Elliot's design with the family, mm-hmm. and we kind of already know this. Yeah. He's now set on inheriting Kellynch and the baronetcy, and uh, heard rumors that Sir Walter could potentially remarry. In particular, Mrs. Clay. Ooh, lame. <laughs> and he came to Bath to prevent the possibility of Sir Walter remarrying Mrs. Clay. And producing an heir. Yeah. Um, so not only does he want the baronetcy, but he wants to prevent he his want, possible loss of the baronetcy. Right. That's his... Which, it seems weird that he's honed in on Mrs. Clay in particular, mm-hmm. because just because she's out of the picture doesn't preclude Sir Walter from remarrying someone else. Right. Because he's only in his 50s. Yeah. He... I mean, men can reproduce until their death. Like, Which is crazy. Which is wild. So he could remarry at any point in time. Yeah. And have an heir. It's not like, oh, it blocked is, Mrs. Clay. It's off the table now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but maybe he thinks if he marries into the family, he can persuade other people away as yes, well. Yes. Yes. That is his design. I think he, he does like Anne. Yes. I don't think he has, he's not like in love. Not no. in like a the way that Anne would deserve her husband to love her. No, I think it's just kind of a little extra cherry. Like, yes. well, I'm here trying to prevent this. I can also keep an eye on it by, by being married to that sweet fox over there, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he likes Anne. She's pretty. And also she's not vain and insufferable like Elizabeth. Right. He probably knows that Elizabeth would be a sure thing. Mm-hmm. 
But he also, it seems like he just simply doesn't like her. Yeah. So he has selected Anne. Yeah. And obviously Anne is saddened to hear this news. Yeah. That Mr. Elliot is so manipulative and rude and horrible. Yep. Uh, So she leaves Mrs. Smith's and she is like, I have to tell Lady Russell ASAP. Yeah. But she is kind of prevented of it for a a time. Mm -hmm. Because that evening they are having like a dinner. She can't get over there. Mr. Elliot is attempting to, like, flirt with her, and she's, like, not having it. Right. And then he tells her he's leaving for a few days and will return on Saturday. Which, again, was such a weird lie. Yeah. It's such a weird lie. I don't know why he lied. I know. Very strange. Very strange. I don't... I didn't get it. I agree. So, yeah. The next morning, Anne intends to head to Lady Russell to tell her all that she knows. But it's delayed again by Mary and Charles because they've come to Bath, too, and they have the elder Musgroves with them Mm -hmm. to shop for wedding clothes for Henrietta, who is now engaged to Charles Hayter. Yep. So both Henrietta and Louisa are engaged. That's right. Huzzah. Huzzah. So she goes with Mary and Charles to visit the rest of the Musgroves and sees Mr. Elliot, who's supposed to be out of town, mm-hmm. talking uh, across the street with Mrs. Clay. Like, Mary notices them out the window or something, and she's like, oh, there not that Mr. Elliot? I, mm-hmm. I would recognize his silhouette, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think Anne is in other conversation, but Mary just keeps bringing it up, so she... <laughs> And Anne, of course, keeps insisting, like, no, he He's said he was town. leaving town, which she kind of regretted admitting because then yeah. that made it sound like she was, like, privy to his plans, which sort yeah. of confirmed to everyone, like, ooh. She, she, he tells her where she's, yeah. where he's going. Yes. But then she peeps over there because curiosity, you know, she can't help it. And she's like, oh, that is him. That is strange. Because he told me he was leaving, but she kind of saved face because she was just like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He said he was leaving. That's strange that he's. Still, Still here. here. Whatever. Right. And of course, uh, Wentworth notices her. Yeah. Disinterest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they're all like just like hanging out there chatting and Charles is trying to get them all to go see a play. He got a box for the night. Yeah. And, but there is like a dinner or something with, with the, Dal- the Dalrymples and Mr. Elliot and Mary really wants to meet the Dalrymples and Mr. Elliot and Anne says she'd rather see a play. And Wentworth is like, I heard that. Yeah. Also interesting. Heard so that. she doesn't care that he isn't where he said he would be. And yep. also doesn't care to go to a play if he's there. Mm-hmm. Disinterest in being around him. Noted. Noted. And next is unequivocally the most romantic scene in the book for sure. Mm-hmm. And arguably one of the most ever, probably. Yeah. It's just sweet and the tension is just right yes yes i agree so yeah i i I would say it's it's right there with the declaration of love between like darcy and elizabeth Mm -hmm. for sure yes it's very good yes and it starts off uh with Anne not even talking to wentworth Nope. <laughs> nope. Again, we have a situation where Anne is having a conversation with someone else. Trying to that convey is a message. Overheard. Yes. By Wentworth. So. I kind of li- like, part of you is like, this is immature, but at the same time, you're sort of like, it's clever. It is. It is clever. It's, it's a way of telling the truth without being vulnerable. Right. Right. So. Because she's, she's speaking 
in as a general sense, not about herself. So yes. it's probably easier for her to, to articulate. Yes. Yeah. So we are with the Musgroves where they're staying. I'm like, I assume this is like the lobby of an inn or whatever. Or something. And they're just chilling. Yeah. Oh, they're in a parlor room. And Anne's talking to Captain Harville. And Captain Wentworth is writing a letter, like not far off. Yeah. And Anne and Captain Harville are talking about the constancy of love. Mm-hmm. And Anne argues that women are the more constant and faithful gender. And she says that women love longest even when existence or when hope is gone. Indeed. Huh. And <laughs> Captain Harville, of course, disagrees. He asserts that men remember their women long after the woman has moved on. And they agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. While Wentworth is overhearing the whole conversation. Yep. And this is brought upon kind of like what I touched on earlier. Harville being kind of upset that Benick moved on so quickly from his sister, Mm -hmm. even though she's passed. Yep. But so that's kind of what sparked this conversation. And I I found it very interesting, both sides. I agree. And I I agree with both sides. Yeah. You know, obviously it depends on the person. Right. And I think one of the things that Captain Harville says here is, in any book it will tell you of women's inconstancy in love. And Anne says, and all of those books are written by men. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Gotcha. (laughs) I see. Yeah. So... We, we have, uh, Jane Austen was a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> it's clear. Yes. But, uh, having finished his letter, Captain Wentworth slips a note to Anne, and then he and Captain Harville leave to mail the letter. Anne reads Wentworth's note, and in it he declares his constancy and undying love for her. So sweet. Anne yeah. is overwhelmed with emotion, and she exclaims that she is not feeling well and must go home at once. At once. I would not want to be hanging out with other people when I'm like, my love, I need to talk to him right now. <laughs> I know. I did mark the letter in my copy. Yes. Let us and hear it. As follows. As follows. I can listen no longer in silence. I must speak to you by such means as are within my reach. You pierce my soul. I am half agony, half hope. Tell me not that I am too late, that such precious feelings are gone forever. I offer myself to you again with a heart even more your own than when you almost broke it eight years and a half ago. Dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I have loved none but you. Unjust I may have been, weak and resentful I have been, but never inconstant. You alone have brought me to Bath, for you alone I think and plan." Have you not seen this? Can you fail to have understood my wishes? I had not waited even these ten days could I have read your feelings, as I think you must have penetrated mine. I can hardly write. I am every instant hearing something which overpowers me. You sink your voice, but I can distinguish the tones of that voice when they would be lost on others. Too good, too excellent creature. You do us justice indeed. You do believe that there is true attachment and constancy among men. Believe it to be most fervent, most undeviating in Frederick Wentworth. Oh, I literally got chills as you were reading it. It's so good. And I love that he, I just like the whole, like, you know, had I known 10 days ago 
that you still had feelings for me, like I would have acted sooner. Mm -hmm. I love when he says, you know, I read things in your voice that anyone who, you know, doesn't know you basically as well as I do wouldn't hear it. Like, Mm -hmm. I just love that he's basically like, I see you. I know you. I love you. I've been stupid and angry, and but never have I not loved you. I just mm-hmm. he's like here. Here are my faults. I'm sorry. I I see you and I love you. I am. I believe you feel the same. I'm really hoping that you do. Like yeah. just ugh ugh ugh. Yeah. I mean, I'm half agony, half hope. Yeah. Get and, out of town. I mean, I feel like that's anyone with a heart should know what that feels like you know yeah yeah of course (laughs) even with requited love before it's like firm and solid i think that we all kind of yeah can feel that i agree but in their case even more so like Mm -hmm. it's so good it's so good yeah yep that's when Anne hopes to walk home alone, but, of course, Charles insists on walking with her. Mm-hmm. And in the street, they see Captain Wentworth, and Charles suggests that he accompany Anne the rest of the way home. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. And finally alone. They're finally alone. Aw. <laughs> Anne tells Wentworth how much she's loved him for this whole time. People are around them, but they're, like, only have eyes for each other. Yep. And they're exquisitely happy. He tells her again he never loved anyone but her. Even though he flirted with Louisa, he never meant to be engaged to her. And when he found out other people thought him to be engaged to Louisa, he was distraught. Mm -hmm. And he could not have been more pleased whenever she got better and chose to marry Benick. Yeah. So. It's more than anyone could have designed. He was just like, oh, what a happy Thank accident. God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and he was obviously jealous of Mr. Elliot, and he just, everyone was telling him that she was going to marry Mr. Elliot and right. this at the concert and da da da. But they, uh, they're just so happy. Yep. Yeah. And he, he's like telling her how horrible it was to be at the concert knowing that everyone. Who had influence over her must persuade her to, you know, he thought that it had happened all over again, mm-hmm. you know, that they were going to persuade her to be with, with Mr. Elliot. But Anne explains that eight years ago she yielded to duty, but that in marrying a man indifferent to her, all duty would be violated. Yep. And they part for the afternoon, each overwhelmingly happy. They really are. Yeah. Aww. Uh, we get a card party. Obviously, Anne and Wentworth are together. What's a card party? I think they play cards. Like, oh, whist. Yes, okay. I, I think. was, like, thinking, like, like a like a greeting card. That's what I was like, oh. what's a card party? Duh. Yeah, I think like they play cards. cards. Like, playing games. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. My so, sweet brain. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're using these times to kind of explain their situation, like yeah. the past and the intervening years. So she tells him that it was Lady Russell who had advised her, and she believed she was right at that time to follow that advice, mm-hmm. that a strong sense of duty was behind it, and Wentworth blames himself for not reaching out to her Sooner. in those eight years yeah. and um, learning that she would have said yes had he asked her to marry him again, even six years ago makes him feel really dumb Mm -hmm. for being so resentful for so long. Mm -hmm. And now that he's gotten over his resentment and pride, he will be happier than he deserves marrying her. Yeah. I think that they would have had a happy marriage had they 
married eight years ago. I agree. But I think that it will be even happier and deeper and, you mm-hmm. know, just less room for insecurity. I agree. Now. I agree. I think Anne had some solidifying of her own character to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe Frederick needed to, not that he was necessarily prideful when he was young, but maybe it's best that he conquered all the things he needed to do and was settled by the mm-hmm. time they got together. So right. that career wasn't a distraction from their new marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both in a really good, solid place. Right. Is all I'm saying. So I, I think agree. I think it worked out probably for the best. But I agree. Yeah. But uh, so our couple is happy together and we're just getting like kind of some housekeeping items left. So first Lady Russell and Wentworth eventually come to like one another. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, I don't know. You can't, you can't say whether it's because, you know, he quote-unquote, deserves it in her eyes, but you hope it's more than that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But at least the two people that matter to Anne can, you know, get along with each other, which is good. So um, Elizabeth still has no marriage prospects because Mr. Elliot actually leaves Bath upset at Anne's engagement, and then Mrs. Clay gives up on Sir Walter and soon leaves, and then it's rumored that... She's under the protection of Mr. Elliot. So basically, mm-hmm. Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay get together. <laughs> yeah, it's hinted that she may become the wife of Mr. Elliot. Right. Which, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't ever say whether, it just simply says that she may someday become the wife right. of Mr. Elliot. It could be another one of those rumor mill yeah. engagements. In my eyes, I feel like Mr. Elliot at this point he he's disengaged Mrs. Clay from Sir Walter, mm-hmm. and I I feel like he probably thinks that he could find someone better than Mrs. Clay. Oh, I'm sure he's rich. He's gonna inherit a significant property, a huge house, he a title. He right. could do much better than right. her. I doubt he would settle for Mrs. Clay. Right. But it's funny that it's like I got Mrs. Clay away. Crisis averted. But yeah. like you said, there are other women in the world. Yeah. Come on. I like to think, in my heart of hearts, if I'm writing the sequel, <laughs> is that Mr. Not Mr. Sir Walter does find another lady mm-hmm. and they have a son. And it completely thwarts Mr. Elliot entirely. <laughs> I if feel only, like... I would love that. <laughs> I feel like if Jane were around to write the sequel, she would deprive Mr. Elliot of inheritance. She's like, let's get this out of the way right now. Mr. Elliot's not inheriting nothing. Jack squat. (laughs) Jack squat. Yeah. So that's my headcanon. Yeah. I like that headcanon and it has now become mine. I have adopted it. Love it. I take it. Uh, Captain Wentworth actually assists Mrs. Smith, you know, speaking of Mr. Elliot and his stupidity, Mm -hmm. he doesn't end up helping her, but Captain Wentworth, our sweet Frederick, actually helps her in a few matters to help her regain some of her husband's money, and that way she can live comfortably, so... Mm -hmm. Thank you again. Yay. So, of course, Anne and Frederick are endlessly happy, and that's how it ends. That's how it ends. Yay. Yay. Yeah. I lo- Same with um, Pride and Prejudice. I loved a lot of the conversations and like, because mm-hmm. they're not just idle chit chat. They're discussing the morals and the, mm-hmm. the I don't know, 
the, the either the emotional or behavioral choices that people make. And I just find it incredibly fascinating. I agree. And I think all the points that are made are really good. And yeah, mm-hmm. so I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I love this book. I would definitely give this a five out of five for yeah. sure. I can't um, remember what I gave Pride and Prejudice. I think I gave it a five out of five. If I didn't, I don't know if I was still in the phase of like, well, I like this book a little more, so I guess it needs to be a four. But So if I didn't give it a five out of five, I should have. And this one is definitely a five out of five for me as well. Yeah. Usually when I'm thinking of all of Jane Austen's catalog, my top two are Pride and Prejudice and Persuasion. Mm -hmm. I think Pride and Prejudice may top out a little bit above Persuasion, but I think it's probably just because I love Elizabeth and Darcy so much that Anne and Frederick are just just slightly under it's a slow burn it is it is a slow burn and it's it's all you know um like we said like by overhearing and just kind of like slowly unravels where darcy and elizabeth it's like they keep sort of clashing in conversation Mm -hmm. and and there's a lot more like action as it were yeah they're interacting a lot more with each other whereas Anne and Frederick are not right they're interacting with each other through means of other people which is is still a very interesting concept it's super interesting which is why it's so good yeah but yeah I I would agree that Pride and Prejudice is just a slight notch above this one for me I agree but and I have like a super soft spot for Darcy and I just I'm sorry but Mm-hmm. I like Frederick. I think he is great, despite his... Uh, Turdliness. Yes, <laughs> in the middle. Yes. Haven't we all acted poorly, yes, though, we while, have. while our feelings are hurt? So Yes. While I understand it, yes. I dislike it. Agreed. But, yeah. So, it's, it's an amazing... I love it. I love Sir Walter, and he's just hilarious, and I like that Jane Austen always has, like, a couple of characters that are just silly. Yes. And it's, like, her satirical comment on people of that society, Mm -hmm. and I just think that's hilarious and funny. (laughs) Um, It makes me laugh every single time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, top tier. All, All of her work is great. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to one day, hopefully, like, finish her collection of works. Yeah. It's not like, you know, these other Jokers out here with, like, 28 books. No. In a one in mm. one series, you know. These are all separate individual books. Yeah. So I know I can do it. You can do it. <laughs> she only has three more, like, main novels. Is it Sense and Sensibility, Emma, and... Mansfield Park. Mansfield Park. That's yeah. the one I always forget about. But I don't feel like I ever hear that one spoken about as much. People ignore Mansfield Park, but I love it. I was going to say, has that been adapted to anything? I don't think so. Sense and Sensibility has, and Emma has multiple times. Yes, I know. Um, I was going to say, I know I've seen both of those. Not seen the films, but seen that there are adaptations out there. Yeah. But yeah, Mansfield Park is one that I don't ever hear about. So I I think if I were to read one next, it would be that one simply Mm -hmm. because... It's never talked about. Yeah. Yeah, and I love Mansfield Park. It's probably my third favorite. I would put it just under Persuasion, probably. You've persuaded me. I will read it next. (laughs) But I love them all. There are three other novels. There's Love and Friendship, which is kind of epistolary, like just letters, and Mm -hmm. I don't think she ever finished it. And then Northanger Abbey is 
kind of like a... Oh, I forgot about that one, too. ...comedic comment on the horror genre. It's very different than... Yeah, it's like a comedic gothic sort of novel. Interesting. I enjoyed it for what it was, but Mm -hmm. it was just not the Austinian story I'm looking for. Gotcha. And then there's one called Sanditon that I've not actually read. I don't think I've heard of that one either. And I don't think she finished it. Mm. So I think it was like an unfinished manuscript, but it is out there as well. It wasn't like ghost finished or anything like that. I think it, I think there is an ending on it, I believe. So it but I've not noted read it, so like I don't know. someone else added this ending. This is right. not interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not totally sure. I'm intrigued. Not, I am so. intrigued. Yeah. Northanger Abbey is like fun for what it is. Yeah. But. You, the rest of her, like, core work yeah. would be the, those three. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So, yeah. Now, I do have a short complaint. Yes, yes, That I, I was going to... I put it at the be- beginning of our outline, but it really belongs at the end. So, I was going through Goodreads to look for quotes for, like, our opener and our closer. And I was on, like looking through my bookshelf of like what I, things that I've rated and whatever, just perusing. And I noticed that the overall rating for Persuasion is 4.15 stars. And I was like, well, that seems low. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder what Pride and Prejudice has. I anticipated it to be higher because I think more people have experienced Pride and Prejudice in some way. And it is higher. It's 4.29. And I was like, well, that still seems low for Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder what current, like, books that are coming out right now are in comparison to these, since they're classics, you know? There's, Mm -hmm. like, that weird disconnect some people have from the classics. So I looked at my bookshelf of books that I've rated myself, and I picked one that is the worst book I've ever read in my life. (laughs) Specifically because I I know that it's a popular book talk book, and it's from Blood and Ash. It is terrible. I cannot comment because I've never read it, but I really, I trust your judgment. Um, So (laughs) I looked at this rating and its rating is 4.24 and I almost crashed my car (laughs) and I was parked. (laughs) Um, I almost crashed my parked car. That's how shocked I was. um, (laughs) I I was, I knew it was going to be higher than it deserved, Uh but I was expecting it to be in the threes. Like a 3.7 or something. Because you still see people on TikTok, on Instagram, reviewing this book, or even in the reviews on Goodreads, like, this is terrible. Really? So... How is it so high? I was so confused, and I'm like, oh my, how? How is this a higher rating than Persuasion? And barely... Under Pride and Prejudice, two of the most critically acclaimed pieces of literature in the canon. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been more disappointed in humanity than I was on this day. <laughs> it's not funny, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> I take your emotions very seriously. I just know. <laughs> and I, I'm not even, like, a pretentious reader. No. I don't read the classics and feel like superior or like everyone should love them and read them but I do think that you can read a book not enjoy it because it's just not your thing 
but still understand this is a a well-written book. This is a well-written book. This is an example that you study as an intellectual. Like, I feel like even people who never like or enjoy the classics can still, like, admit that Mm -hmm. and grapple. Like, I understand the point of it, but Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy it. I don't think people write things on its literary prowess or, like, how well-written it is. I think they simply rate it by how much did I enjoy this. Yeah. And so, which, for you and I, a lot of that is intertwined. Yeah. But I think it's not for everybody. I I think for a lot of people, they could go, even though that was well-written, I didn't enjoy it, I was bored, two stars. Yeah. Rather than, that was really well written, it was beautiful prose, just not my favorite type of story, you know. Yeah. But I'll still give it a four. Like, yeah, I I just don't think a lot of people do that. Yeah. And uh, it just, it hurt my heart a little. So, well, you know, please rate and review us. Let us know what you think of Persuasion. Yeah. How incensed are you that it has such a low star rating on Goodreads? You know. Send your support for Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> I need your condolences. <laughs> yeah, send us your thoughts on the book. Send us other book recs, things that you want us to read or anything that you've been reading and really enjoyed. You know, please let us know your thoughts. Yeah. And then uh, per usual, our tunes and our artwork and all that are a collaboration of we two, the WRB crew right here in this Room. What, what? (laughs) What, what? (laughs) (laughs) And until next time, let us never underestimate the power of a well-written letter. Indeed. And read books. Okay, goodbye. Bye. (laughs)